Oh, shit, ladies and gentlemen. What? Uh, comedy dates I got coming up December 31st, New Year's Eve at the Orpheum Theater in downtown L.A. It's the great Joey Diaz, the great Tony Hinchcliffe, and moi. You could celebrate New Year's motherfucking Eve with us December 31st. It's almost sold out, so don't sleep. Um, and then I'm going to be at, I'm going to be at Massey Hall actually before that, but the uh, tickets don't go on sale until the 21st of October, but I'll be there on uh, December 9th. And that's all I got going on for now as far as uh, upcoming comedy dates, except for October 21st, which is when my Netflix special Triggered comes out. That's October 21st. And on that same day, we were we're most likely going to have a uh, fight companion for Glory in Denver. Good times. Woo! This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is an amazing platform for you to create a website all by yourself. We live in amazing times. Did I say amazing too many times? I think you say it twice in two sentences and you're an uncreative fuckhead. The, uh, the service that Squarespace provides allows you with regular computer skills. Like you don't have to know anything special. If you just know how to do stuff like point and click and drag and drop and all that stuff, you can use their easy templates and create a beautiful website. I mean, you can have a professional website if you just know how to put a photograph on an email, if you know how to move stuff around, just regular stuff, nothing, nothing crazy. It's incredibly easy for you to do, for you to do, for you to make. And... It will work on everything. It'll work on a Windows computer. It'll work on a Mac. There's no restrictions. It also comes with a free online store and seamless commerce tools. From nationally recognized brands to your favorite local shop, Squarespace is trusted by hundreds of thousands of savvy shop owners around the world. They said shop twice. Shop. It's a shop if you go there. You might not have a shop. Maybe you have a warehouse. Maybe you just have a fucking hole that you throw your shit in the ground cover it up at night get up in the morning what am i talking about anyway what i am talking about is if you sign up for a year you get a free domain name from squarespace they make adding a domain to your site simple and they have awesome customer support squarespace offers 24-7 customer support. Every member of the customer care team is an experienced Squarespace user working in a Squarespace office. They don't outsource this shit, and no matter how technical your problem or how trivial-seeming your question is, one of their team is always online to assist you. You can start your free trial today and give it a shot because it is awesome, and you can try it for free. And I'm telling you, you can make amazing websites. Check out DougStanhope.com. It's made entirely on Squarespace. Uh, Mark Maron's podcast page, made entirely on Squarespace. Duncan Trussell's website, Squarespace. Squarespace.com forward slash Joe. Go there, start your free trial, and get 10% off your first purchase. That's Squarespace.com forward slash Joe. We are brought to you each and every day by Onnit.com. Each and every podcast is fueled by On It. I take Alpha Brain before everything I do that's important for this silly old brain. 
I need nutrients. I need to be soaked in nutrients to get this thing going. The, the flow, the verbal flow. What um, Alpha Brain is, is a nootropic supplement that I, I, I really, it's a fucking staple of my diet. It's not snake oil. In fact, we performed, not me personally, because I'm not a scientist or a doctor. We, we, we brought two randomized clinical trials to the Boston Center for Memory. They performed it. We just had to pay for it. And it ain't cheap, bitches, which is why most supplement companies don't do this kind of shit because there's a lot of supplements that are kind of questionable. Alpha Brain sounded questionable. It sounds like to a lot of people that aren't familiar with the term nootropic, which is nutrients that enhance your human neurochemistry, uh, it sounds like bullshit. It sounds like big dick pills or something like that. So we um, we had sponsored two double-blind placebo-controlled studies at the Boston Center for Memory, and we put the findings online. You can read all about it, but there is um, improvements in cognitive function, by way of improvements in verbal memory, processing speed, uh, peak alpha flow state. You could read all about it at onit.com. And all of our supplements come with a 100% money-back guarantee. You don't have to return the product. You just say, this just wasn't what I wanted or what I thought it was going to be. And you get your money back. We're trying to get you addicted to awesome shit. And that's what we, we create, what we sell is awesome shit, including the best strength and conditioning equipment you can buy. In my opinion, my favorite thing for me, I'm not, obviously not a professional athlete, but my favorite thing is to, in terms of working out where I see excellent results is kettlebells. I've, I've said it a million times in this podcast. I know if you've heard, um, you've heard me yap about it. I'm a huge fan of kettlebells, and the Onyx kettlebells are the best ones I've ever used. We have the best, especially the, the standard ones. They're the best clearance. They, they just they flow seamlessly. And we have three different kinds of creative kettlebells. Uh, they're really works of art. The legend bells, which are fucking awesome. There's a werewolf. There's a harpy. There is a cyclops. And they're works of art. They're functional works of art. They're all 3D balanced. We have uh, the great apes, gorillas, orangutan, chimpanzee, howler monkeys, and we got a whole zombie series. And again, all these are 3D balanced. They look awesome. They'll last forever. And they're made out of cast iron. And they'll be here long after we're gone. That sounds morose. Go to the Onnit Academy link, click that, and you'll be taken to a section of the page that has 230 pages of awesome workouts, of articles on diet, on nutrition, on exercise physiology, on motivation, awesome stuff. And there's, of course, an Onnit Academy, a physical academy, which is in Austin, Texas. If you live in Austin, you're in luck because it is an fucking bang up place and john wolf just got back to me we're just going back and forth there's so many really super knowledgeable people that um that train people out of there and john wolf's helping me with this uh hip hip thing that he does he's got this crazy hip workout they showed me on it.com i talk too much o-n-n-i-t use the code word rogan save 10 percent off any and all supplements <sighs> this what else we got do i have more Hold, please. What happened? Oh, I can never figure out how to manage. I've never figured out how to manage tabs on my computer. There's got to be a better way. All that swiping and shit, no worries. Leave this flawed as it is to show these people I suck at this job. We're also brought to you by Stamps.com. Stamps.com, this is the last one. Stamps.com is a way that you can use your printer and your computer to buy and print official U.S. postage. If you have a computer and you have a printer, it will work. If it works. You know what I'm saying. 
Uh, nobody likes to go to the post office. It sucks. You got to wait in line. That lady or that man at the counter doesn't really want to talk to you. You could avoid all that shit, and you could avoid it with stamps.com. And you could do it in a method that's cheaper and more powerful than a postage meter. I'll explain. What are you saying, Joe? I'll explain. Stamps.com. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Go there before you do anything else. Click that microphone. Type in JRE. And they will sign you up for a four-week trial plus $110 bonus offer, which includes postage and a digital scale. You take that digital scale, you weigh your packages, you print up the official postage with stamps.com, you put it on the box, hand it to the mailman, or drop it off in the mailbox, and you're done. That's it. It cuts so much nonsense out of the process of mailing things. If you have a small business, this is the way to go. Bert Chrysler... I'm I'm saying it because Tom Segura texts me so much. These funny things that people say. They call him Burnt Chrysler. Burt Kreischer, my pal. Um, He uses it. Uh, Bill Burr uses it. Brian Redband uses it. It's stamps.com. You can't go wrong. Just go there. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in JRE and you'll get that offer. Four-week trial plus $110 bonus offer, including postage and a digital scale. You fucks. Goddamn Joe Rogan, you talk so much. I have to do this, folks. I have to. I'm being forced to make money. I have to keep the lights on. No one's forcing me, man. I'm just kidding. Are you fucking really complaining about... No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. My guest today is the great Jesse Ventura. Jesse Ventura, you might know him as Jesse the Body Ventura, who, where I, I knew him from, from the movie Predator. He's fucking awesome. From his wrestling career, he's fucking awesome. He was a governor of Minnesota, legit governor. He taught at Harvard. I never asked him when he taught at Harvard. Um, and he's a good guy. I really enjoy talking to him. I've seen him be like real combative with other people on other shows. But I think he's one of those guys you just kind of kind of let him go, you know. And uh, I had a great time talking to him. I really enjoyed it. And I gave him a fanny pack. Fucking pumped about that. He's a big proponent of the fanny pack, folks. He's got one in his hotel room, and now he's got one of mine. Oh, yeah! Oh, yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, the motherfucking man, Jesse Ventura. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. First of all, Mr. Ventura, I'm a big fan, but I'm an even bigger fan now that I know that you're pro fanny pack. This is huge for me. (laughs) I've been trying to bring back the fanny pack for years. I've been... Nothing but ridicule yeah, and shame I, sent my way. I find that strange because I'm a huge fan. I care. I, I have one locked in my hotel right now in the safe. You know, you give, they give you mm-hmm. them little safes in the room. Yeah. Well, I carry my passport in it. I carry the things that I need to travel if I'm doing airline travel, my schedules. I carry two sets of reading glasses. Yeah. I carry my sunglasses. Yeah. What could be better than a fanny pack to carry all that? Yeah, I don't have that sucker. Well, drop I don't, it in the tray. I don't have the, it, you know, I tend to wear my pants a little tight and I can't put things in the pocket. Things break when they get in the pocket. No, I'm a huge fanny pack advocate I've, I've worn them now for like about 20 years i've had them me too you and know? uh now you have one of ours yep and, happy uh, to take it thank you thank you thank I'm, you i'm honored it's a f- superior and, way and to I, carry your I'll, stuff and i'll put it to use thank you well and i also i've stated this in minnesota i have legit conceal and carry where i can carry a weapon 
Right. Where do you think I carry it? In your fanny pack. Exactly. That's right. Well, they make fanny packs specifically that Velcro open instantaneously. They pop right open. Yep. Well, if I'm if I'm not wearing my shoulder holster, it's in my fanny pack. Do you? Th- I mean, how does that work? Do you? You're only allowed to conceal carry in Minnesota, and if you go state to state. No, no. Many of the states now are honoring the others. I see. You got to check though. But generally speaking, if you have concealed, pretty much across the country now, for most part, if you have a legitimate conceal and carry in your home state, the other states will likewise honor it. But you can't go to the airport with it. Right. Of course. You you can't do anything like that with it. You'd have to be driving. That's one of those subjects where, you know, much like the subject of your book, Marijuana Manifesto, it's one of those subjects where as soon as you bring up that subject, concealed carry, people just go, oh. Well, it's interesting because... It's it's I helped shepherd the law through when I was governor in Minnesota because uh, I was mayor of Brooklyn Park first and I went to my police chief to get conceal and carry and he denied me. I was the mayor. How could he deny you? Because it, it was up to police chiefs. But why? And what I, was his that's the, he don't like it. Oh, we just didn't like it in general. He didn't like it. And so I sat back and thought, wait a minute, this is ridiculous. A police chief shouldn't have that power. It should be uniformly yeah. shall issue. If you're qualified, it shouldn't be left up to... Because like in Minnesota, if you lived in northern Minnesota, the rural north, you could get it concealed and carry like nothing. Because the police chiefs up there didn't care. But if you live down in the cities... Oh, you couldn't get conceal and carry if you bribed them. That's interesting because it's a state law. That's bizarre. No, it wasn't. It wasn't at the time. It, it was, but it was left up to oh, the, I see. The, the police chiefs. So if you went up so north. So I, I went and changed that and made it universal across the state shall issue, but we required you had to go through a, a, an accredited gun training course. You had to go to the range and shoot a minimum of 70. You had to have a complete background check done on you, criminal background, everything. And in the case of, uh, like, you have .08 with alcohol, with driving, I made conceal and carry .00. Well, those are all good. And if you're carrying your weapon, you are not under the influence of any alcohol, none. That's uh, Those are all excellent ideas. And that's where we passed it. Now, if you qualify for all that, it shall issue. What, so where do you stand with the, the NRA has been, they, they push back, and I understand why. They, yeah. they push back against gu- any gun regulation, yeah. anything that comes up, any yep. gu- regulation in regards to background checks, regards yep. to anything, because they feel like ground lost is lost forever. You'll and, never get and it, it is. And it is. And it is. Uh, where I feel is, is that... Uh, you let me put it to you this way life experiences i was physically in the philippines philippine islands i was physically in the philippines the day ferdinand marcos became a dictator Ooh. i was there now i was in the us military on a us military base so it didn't really affect us i mean we go into town and all that but there was a then you had a, a soldier on every corner with a machine gun when he did it. Well, here's what I'm getting to. He became a dictator and gave himself the power of the president, the Congress, and the Supreme Court. Complete dictatorship. The first thing he did as a dictator, he gave the people of the Philippines a 10 to 12 day grace period to turn in all guns or it was the death penalty. Whoa. 
Now, my question to the people who oppose gun rights or, or are anti-guns, why would a dictator make his first thing of business to disarm the public? Why would he make that his number one priority? Well, it's pretty obvious. He doesn't exactly. want an armed militia. Exactly. Yeah. And people fail to realize our Second Amendment is there for us to be able to defend ourselves against our own government. That's it's a touchy not there, subject, though, It's right? not there for hunting and fishing. When they wrote the Bill of Rights, if you didn't hunt and fish, you didn't eat. That was irrelevant. It was there because the British used to come and occupy our homes, steal our stuff. So the British caused the Second Amendment to happen to where our forefather says, no, we're going to allow the people to be able to defend themselves against oppressive government. So do you think that the opposition to it is just a lack of foresight, like the, the idea that you're living in this time where, f- for the most part, things are very peaceful, it's probably the most safe time ever to be alive, and that people have forgotten that it's entirely possible that tyranny could erupt at any moment? Maybe so. And they don't realize that maybe maybe we, you know, you got two movements that happened this year. You had the Bernie Sanders movement and the Donald Trump movement originally. They wanted the same thing. They could never get together, though, because one's the far, far left, the other's the far, far right. Right. But that what they wanted was a turnover in Washington. They were sick of business as usual. Let's run these bums out and let's start fresh. That's what their two movements were about. And the more we're seeing day to day, I mean, I think Hillary Clinton is obviously a more rational choice than Donald Trump. She's obviously a, a person who speaks better, a better representative of, of the people. She's intelligent. She's measured. And but she flip-flops constantly. Constantly. But she's obviously <laughs> deeply, deeply in bed with the banks and oh, with yeah. special interest groups. And this most recent uh, WikiLeaks uh, release of emails it shows that she's been she's been with uh, talking with bankers making sure that marijuana stays illegal i mean this is something that she has vowed to push back against with all of her might and th- that's a disturbing thing to see in 2016 because yeah. in my you know, there's more people locked up. I don't know if people know this, but there's more people locked up for marijuana in this country than for all violent crimes combined. Yeah. And that is terrifying. It's horrible. It's terrifying. It's horrible, too, when you get to, like when I did this book and went into the history, what terrifies you there is that our history books are government written with the government's view of history of what they want you to know because what astounded me in doing this book was to learn that marijuana was the economic backbone of this country for its first 160 years of existence that if george washington and thomas jefferson were alive today they'd be raided by the dea they'd be doing 10 to 12 years in the federal penitentiary for being major drug dealers because they both raised massive amounts of marijuana and sold it. And, and there was a time that England, when we were the colonies, forced us to grow it. Because they needed it for their sails on their ships and the rope. And so that they could colonize the world with their navy. And they forced us to grow it. And here you have a product. And now all the, the reason that I personally have gotten on the bandwagon and I've made this a personal focus, is because 
I had completely lost my quality of life, and marijuana's given it back. How so? Well, I won't say because of privacy, but someone extremely close to me developed epileptic seizure disorder and was seizing three to four times a week. And I was taking care of these seizures three to four times a week. If you've ever dealt with someone with a seizure disorder, it's a feeling of helplessness. It's a feeling of pain. You can't even imagine what that person's going through. This is the person taking care of them. And Mm. if it's someone you love, the pain is unbelievable. And so the person was put on four different, one after the other, pharmaceutical medicines for seizures, right? None of them worked. They all had horrible side effects. The seizures continued for two over two years. Finally, in desperation, we went to Colorado. The person got, quote, medical marijuana, three drops under the tongue, three times a day. Amazingly, the seizures stopped. You have a good friend whose son has the same issue. Amazingly, now the person's completely weaned off all pharmaceutical and it's now in pill form. The person takes a pill in the morning, a pill at night, and has been seizure-free for two and a half years. No, are they taking a pharmaceutical-based pill, like a Marinol? Or are they no, taking they're taking the real... THC, well, actual, it's the other stuff, the OM... The other, not the THC, but the CBD? other... CBD? CBD. Yeah. The person needs the CBD. In fact, this person takes zero THC, all CBD. So they're not or, psych- it's not psychoactive whatsoever, at all. which is really important None. to point None. out. None. Yeah. None. Even if it were, who cares? who cares? Exactly. You know, like my friend Tommy Chong told me, Tommy Chong said there should be no difference between medical marijuana and recreational. He said the entire plant's medical. Those that are smoking it for the euphoric feeling are doing it for mental health. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And, and that, how do you get through this life? If you can smoke a joint in the evening and it makes you relax, and you, what's the matter with that? What's the difference between that or having a glass of wine or having anything else? Well, we're just victims to the, the propaganda of the 1930s. Yep. And whether people know it or not, it was all organized by and William race, Randolph Hearst and race, and race based. baiting. Yeah, race, race baiting. Based. And William Randolph Hearst, who owned Hearst Publications, also owned, owned a bunch of paper mills. He owned these Thousands entire of forests. acres of timberland. Yep. And they came out with a machine called a decorticator, whether people know this or not. And the decorticator made it economically easy to process hemp fiber. So they came out with this in the 1930s. And the popular science magazine at the time had a cover that said, Hemp, the new billion-dollar crop, based entirely on this new invention, the decorticator. Because before that, they used to use slavery. Then when the cotton gin came around, they used cotton cotton. instead of hemp because it was easier to do. You know... You're enjoyable because I don't have to say all this. <laughs> well, it's one of those things that I've no, just you've been done telling people forever. It drives me fucking crazy. You do, you, you've done your homework. It's wonderful. Because usually I, I go on a show, I have to do the explanation of yeah. all that. But with you, I don't have to. You know it already. Well, William Randolph Hearst was a real piece of shit. You exactly. Know? He really was. Yeah. And he was in charge not just of these paper mills, but he was in charge of disseminating the news. I mean, this guy ran Hearst Publications. Yeah, 26 newspapers in an all White run country, and so they use marijuana yep. to to race bait 
to blame the devil weed that black smoked and then they'll rape your daughters mm-hmm. and your children and this and your wives and all that and lazy Mexicans. That's why they lay around and these brown skinned people, these Mexicans, they're all smoking pot. You live in Mexico. Half the about four months out Who of the, the year. Who the fuck is less lazy than Mexicans? Mexicans, like, they're the they hardest come, damn workers I've ever met. Exactly, it is one of the dumbest stereotypes of oh, all time. I'll Check te- out Mexican I, gardeners. Go. I'll, oh, I'll tell you this: I live off the grid. I live where there's no electricity, and an hour from pavement, and an hour from electricity. A neighbor built a home down there, and I had nothing to do, so I'd go watch it every day. That's how I live down there. And I watch these Mexican workers build a home out of cement from scratch. They didn't have electronic cement mixers. They mixed every bit of that cement by hand. And one day I'm watching, you know, the rebar? Two guys had to bend rebar by hand, jerking on it with a pipe to put it at a 45 or 90 degree angle, whatever I don't know it was. I if that's up to code. We well, have to inspect the, that building. Well, the point was I started laughing and I said, you know, if you brought the American construction worker down here, he'd quit in a day. Yeah, he would quit likely. in a day because all they do is deliver raw materials. And these Mexican builders would build cement houses out of nothing out of raw material without a bit of electricity. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mexico. Big oh, fan I, of Mexico I love people. it down there. I love the food. I love the people. I love the life I lead down there because it's the exact opposite of here. Down there, I live off the grid, and I only pay attention to what I can see. That's nice. That's oh, yeah. relaxing. It's called flushing your brain out. My family lives down there. My parents do. Yeah, they, they decided to chill out down in Mexico, do, totally, the, do the well, retirement thing. I'll tell you what else is great, the taxes. And we always laugh at the Mexican government. Oh, they're corrupt, they're this and that. On property taxes, they are way superior to us. You know how it works down there? No. Here, <laughs> at least in Minnesota, <clears throat> which is pretty much universal, if you buy a home and you're a good citizen, and you fix the home up and improve it, how do they reward you? You pay more. Right. Your taxes go up for being a good citizen. So using their analogy, you should buy the house, let it become the shithole on the block, and they'll reward you. You'll pay less. Here's how it works in Mexico. Mexico, your taxes are due in March, property taxes. If I pay them in January early, they knock off 20%. If I pay Whoa. them in February, they knock off 10%. I go down January 28th. February's a short month. So in 30 days, I get 20% on my money legally. Tell wow. me where I can do that. That's pretty beautiful. 20% in 30 days. Now, granted, it's only a couple hundred bucks because property taxes are cheap there anyway. But well, that's a couple tanks of gas for my pickup truck. Do you feel weird living down there? Not a bit. Not at all? No. No? I don't even know the language. You don't know Spanish? Nah. Why don't you know this? Because <laughs> I've never taken time to bother. Well, I get what do you by. do when you're down there? You just barely between, talk to people? Well, between what they know of English and what I know of Spanish and pantomiming, we figure it out. Wow. It's like, okay, all you got to know to survive in Mexico is one word. 
What's just that? just look at Ola. No, look not Ola. That's high. <laughs> I see I know a little bit now. No, no. You look at any Gracias. Mexican, smile at him and say cerveza. Oh. And you'll get a smile back cerveza. See. Oh, so you're just getting hammered all the time. No, you it. just say beer to them. They love oh. to drink beer. And so about- that'll smooth out any situation. Just smile and say cerveza. Most people don't know also that almost all drugs are decriminalized in Mexico in in response to the drug laws and the drug war. Starting to get there. Yeah. The Supreme Court ruled on four people, but only those four people can grow and have pot. It takes three more cases before it becomes the law. Yeah, I don't think it's legal, but it's decriminalized. Like mushrooms are decriminalized. It's getting there. President Fox, who was my friend, he came out and said he wants it decriminalized. He said, I'm a rancher farmer. I want to grow it. You're friends with the president? Yeah. That's pretty dope. I knew both of them. Uh, Fox and uh, who was before him. Uh, well, remember, I was a governor. Yes. I went there on a trade mission. Oh, and that's and how Fox you found and I, out about Fox the and I actually, Fox and I actually established a trade thing in Minnesota via Mexico. Because when I was down in Mexico, they took me to the, uh, to the uh, Corona Brewery. And when they took me there were pallets of corn all from Minnesota. Yeah, see, I they was, send their corn from Minnesota to make Corona beer. So I was going to say, I would assume that like Corona is such a weak beer. I would assume it's probably grown in America. No, it's corn, but it's United yeah. States corn. It's Minnesota corn that's gluten free. That makes, that you know makes that? Corona. Yeah, gluten free. Like if you're one of those gluten free fucks, mm-hmm. you can have a Corona. It's one of a few beers. I think Heineken too. It's from rice based beers. I think Budweiser actually. Yeah, believe it or not, Cor- Corona though they get all the they get all their corn from Minnesota. So you just cervezaing it up back there? No, Kick, I don't even drink. You, I don't, don't, even you drink. don't drink? No. So how, why do you say cerveza? For your friends? Well, because that means beer in Mexican, and right. all the Mexicans love beer. Oh, I see. That's why don't. if you just smile and say cerveza at them, you'll get a smile. Cerveza, see? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're not asking for one. No, I'm not asking it. for one. Oh, I thought you were just I'm just doing it to be friendly. Lit. Oh, okay. No, I don't drink. So what do you do down there? I wake up in the morning with nothing to do, and when I go to bed at night, I'm half done. <laughs> can you tell I've been before. asked that answer. I can tell. Yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> no, I stole that from a friend down there. He said it one day, and I said, can I use that when I do an interview? <laughs> he said, feel free. So I wake up in the morning with nothing to do, and by the time I go to bed at night, I'm half done. Well, you obviously wrote this book, so you're doing something. Yeah, so why, why do you write books? You just get bored? And you I just... know I write them if I'm motivated. So you got motivated because of this epileptic seizure yep. issue? Yep. I don't know if you've uh, ever paid attention to this, but uh, the Navy SEALs had an issue with epileptic seizures as well from the rebreathers. Um, apparently, there's something to do with getting the... Bu- it's, I found out about it because I started um, uh, eating a ketogenic diet, getting my body to process fats instead of carbohydrates. And one of the reasons um, that the SEALs are looking into this is because... It prevents uh, seizures in people that use those rebreathers as opposed to, uh, you know, the ones that don't make bubbles. Yeah, I used them all the yeah. time, the Emerson ring. Yeah. I, I dove them. That was the majority of the thing I dove when I was in there, and I never had a seizure. Well, it's not. I never heard of anyone having a seizure. Yeah, some people have them, apparently. I don't know I, how common I never, it is. I never heard of it the entire six years I was in. Well, it's also uh, epilepsy in children. They've used ketogenic diets to uh, control epilepsy in children. But yeah. again, like you were saying, I, marijuana I is another big I, w- I would think this. I would think if anyone had any type of seizure disorder, that would disqualify him from the SEALs. Yeah, I don't think it's a disorder. I think it's a direct result of using the rebreathers. And it's not common. Them. Yeah. But I would think anyone that had that result from a rebreather would be washed out. 
Yeah, you'd think, right? Well, because they, they, you couldn't take the risk that the person would have to do that job and could have a seizure while attempting to do it. Yeah, I don't know when the seizures occur. I don't know if they've I, isolated I, I, it, but the, I do the know. First, this is the first I've ever heard of it. Dr. Dom D'Agostino, who is uh, uh, one of the premier experts on uh, ketogenic diets and, uh, and nutritional ketones, He's uh, he's spoken about this, and I've read some other articles about it as well. About well, well especially gotta, with kids with uh, epilepsy. You got to remember when I was in the teams, it was a whole different mindset. Well, it wasn't even called the seals back then, right? You were called uh, well, you had the UD, seals too. We were underwater demolition teams, team, right. And the seals, both. It was UD, both. It's called UDT Seal Buds. Mm-hmm. Buds Buds stands for Basic Underwater Demolition Slash Seal. What happened was. We were the frogmen, and in 1962, John F. Kennedy had enough foresight to realize that wars would be fought by small units from now on, so he took the frogmen out of the water, and he put them on the land with an executive order, because up until that point in time, the Navy could go, not go past the high water mark. From that point, it was the Marines. It required President Kennedy to sign an executive order that allowed the Navy to go past the high water mark, which he then created. Kennedy came out of the Navy, so he took the Navy frogman and put us on land. Oh, and, and they re- renamed us then SEALs, which the acronym SEAL stands for Sea Air Land Teams, which means we, we come from the sea, we come from the air. And we come to from the land. Any of the three. That's interesting. That's where it, that's where it all came from. I, I was know. Kennedy formed a seal? He took the frogman out of the water and put him on. The Marines were angry because they felt that the the land was theirs and the Navy shouldn't be there. That's always been weird to me. The the rivalry between military units. You mm-hmm. would think that the United States military is one big team. No, because no. if you're not in a common war, then you got to fight each other. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. People are fucking crazy. Well, Why are we when, so crazy? When you're in the military, it's just your your mindset. Yeah. You know, it's your mindset and you get bored. So if you haven't got an enemy to fight, then you fight the other in the bars. You fight the other services. So We used to do it all the time. We get in trouble all the time. You know. <laughs> but doesn't that seem stupid? I mean, isn't, well, isn't war, it one big war, team? War's stupid. It is kind of so stupid. why so why why wouldn't there be stupidity along with war? That you're you're dealing that... with people with major egos, high testosterone rate, and they're and they're warriors. You know, when you play that game, that's a game for real. You don't many times you don't come back and play again. It ain't like football. It ain't like any of these sporting events. It's a it's a game of finality. Did it feel like a game when you were in the military? No, it was my job. Most, well, again, as a pro athlete, that's your job, too. It feels like a job. It's your job. It's your job, but it's also your life. I mean, it's not, it's not it's your, like you're punching you in a jiffy lube. But you volunteer. Right, of course. To go into the budge, you have to volunteer. It's of a volunteer unit. You can volunteer in, you can volunteer out. It's whether you want to do the job or not. When all that shit went down with Chris Kyle and the fa- and when he said that he punched you in a bar and yep. you, you sued the family, like no, I didn't. 
Well, I didn't shoot the shoot, family. Shoot him, rather. Excuse me. I shoot him, and he died, and then the suit automatically goes to his estate. That's right. the way the legal works. She was never in any jeopardy because in any writer's contract you have insurance from the publisher. So it's me. They portrayed it, and I became the villain going after the widow and the kids. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest lie. It was a big insurance company that's covering the whole thing. They're not out a penny, and they but, won't be out a penny. But you had to explain that, I'm sure, over and over no, again. No, I couldn't in explain interviews. it. The, the, the trial got overturned because the insurance came out. So it's okay to lie in court, but if the truth comes out, you can get a new trial. The insurance came out, what does that mean? In court. You're not allowed to say that insurance is paying for everything, even though it's the truth. You're not allowed to say that in court. So what happens when you say it in court? Well, it came out, and the judge allowed it to a limited degree, and then the appeals court ruled that the judge shouldn't have did that. Because having the judge say that, it sways people well, to be they, they more think inclined that if it's, yeah. to rule against the insurance company. Yeah. Because the insurance company yeah. is a big even, conglomerate. Even though the other side is doing what's called poor-mouthing, they're getting up and saying it's taxing them financially and lying. The oh, truth is, okay. insurance is paying for all of it. Don't get up and lie about it. So the other side was saying this is going to devastate our family, oh, yeah. but in reality they oh, weren't. Oh, yeah. yeah, trying to influence the... And, and in this case, let me state this. How overwhelming must the evidence have been for the jury to go against the grieving widow of the dead war veteran? Yeah, must be pretty overwhelming. The, the, he, the evidence was overwhelming. The, the The jury went from they came for me. They said he was lied. This didn't happen, and we're awarding. Why do you think he did that? Did you know him? No, you didn't know him. No, he, I mean I didn't know even who he was until the thing happened. We were there it? on the same nights. We were at McPee's because I was there for a graduation of class two fifty eight. I'm class 58. It's traditionally every hundred classes, if you can, you come back to the graduation. So class 258 was graduating the next day on Friday. I came out along with my teammates from class 58 to attend that graduation the next day. So why would I say bad things about the SEALs if I'm there? That's what he said he punched me for. Well, tell, because look, for I, people I, don't know what we're talking about, because pro probably a lot of people listening to this have no idea what we're talking about. So let me just fill them in real quick. All right. The, the book, American Sniper, the movie with uh, Bradley Cooper, was just a giant hit movie, very patriotic movie about a guy who was one of the most successful snipers in U.S. history, right? Uh, very successful warrior, Navy SEAL, war hero. Everybody loved him. Then he goes on the Opie and Anthony show. And he says that he punched you out. In well, a there's bar. a chapter in his book yes. where he writes that he called me scruff face. Yeah. And he said that I said seals deserve to die. That, in other words, he accused me of treason. Yes. And I was out there for a seal graduation. If I felt that way about my old unit, why would I be attending? So he wrote in the book, he gave you a nickname in the book. Scruff face. Well, whoever, I mean, he might not have even, when he wrote it in the book, he might not have even thought that he was going to give that to you. I mean, who knows what was going on? My thought was, at the time, I was trying to wrap my head around why anybody would do this. Um, and I was thinking, well, maybe he's just trying to generate as much controversy as possible, to generate as much income as possible from his book, and it just got out of hand. 
I don't. I mean, I'm tr- I was trying to put it together because there was a couple other fabrications, right? There was a um, a, a shooting at a gas station f- that never took place. Yep, and and he said that he during Katrina he was on the yes. dome and shot people who were looting. Yeah, that was disturbing and because that's he, murder. Uh, yeah, and he also lied about his medals. The Navy had to come out and correct. He said he had two silver stars and five bronze stars. He had one silver star and three bronze stars. So he lied about three medals. Well, that's it's that, see, that, one and three is impressive enough. I mean, exactly. Why, yeah. Exactly. And then they try to give him an excuse saying, well, he was confused. No, you're not. When you get a medal like that, it's like graduating from college. They give you a certificate that puts on your wall if you win the bronze star or the silver star. But as a, as a seal yourself... And he threw as, me under the bus. What does that feel like to you? Because Treason. This, but this is, I mean, obviously, this is something that's very near and dear to your heart. H- hugely. He has made it to where I can't go to a reunion anymore. There were 170 SEALs that wanted me kicked out of the UDT SEAL Association over his lie. And the lies of his buddies who came up and tried to testify for him. So what did it? It got embarrassing his in the trial. Said that it actually happened. No, they couldn't say it, but they tried to say everything else to make it seem like it did. Well, how the hell did they do that? Well, because they dance around the questions and the lawyering, and well, you have uh, to piece together. There wasn't one witness that saw me get hit, and there wasn't one witness that heard me say anything he attributed to me. And weren't you visible the next day? There yeah. We Videos pictures. And photographs, no punch. We have photographs that night, them posing for pictures with me. If I had said all this stuff, why would they have take pictures with me? What does that feel like when someone just fucking lies? Horrible. And and what and makes lies it, about a terrible, well, terrible and, thing. And what's worse about it is the media jumps on it and convicts me of it because why? They broke the story when I went off the grid in Mexico where I couldn't even come back. So they broke the story. Do you think they knew? That I'm you were starting off the grid? to believe it. But weren't? But didn't it happen on the Opie and Anthony show? Yeah. But I don't think that was planned because I know those guys. They, yeah, but the, but was the whole? Well, they also did it. He did it that day on O'Reilly later that afternoon. So he once he named you, he just started naming you everywhere. Oh yeah. Then he then it went viral. <sighs> it went viral, and everyone convicted me. Because they said, well, this Iraq war veteran wouldn't lie. Really? I just, I watched. Uh, it destro- rather, well, let me tell you how bad. It's destroyed my life. I can't get hired for a job. During my trial, after it was over, guess what happened? 34 major media conglomerates entered the, 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 uh, the trial with that amnesty, they call it or whatever, of, of influencing the Court of Appeals to overturn my verdict, and they did it. 34 media conglomerates, the Why? New York Times, the Washington Post, all of these media conglomerates appealed to the Court of Appeals to overturn my verdict. But why? Because I won on something called unjust enrichment. They want the ability to be able to defame you and profit from it. In other words, I'll put it, what they had, what these judges accommodated them with, uh, there's going to be another trial. They've ordered a new trial. Oh, God. So I got to go through it again. But I'm glad because when it comes out, two juries and two judges find Kyle guilty. Who's not going to believe it then? And, but the point is, they, they've ordered a new trial. 
they've they dis they threw out the whole verdict of the jury the federal judge who wrote substantial evidence supporting the jury's verdict they did all that and they violated their own rules a 76 year rule here's what it states if because it happened during summation where the judge allowed it in the my attorney it, it ended up four questions in an 11-day trial and a half a page of a 20-page summary and it was overturned on that and they overturned it because they felt it was undue influence on the jury that they found out that insurance was paying for everything That's so it was it? Perfectly, Is that one factor well and here's the deal if the rules state that if in final argument they say something you must object you must object so the trial lawyer has a chance to rule during final argument and the jury has a chance to hear the ruling they never objected so when, they must in- object to undue influence because of the fact that it was they, now, I don't they, wait, they why- never wait they never objected the jury was dismissed at 1158 at 1202 they then objected the judge overruled them and we were done with it well, these two judges, Riley and Shepard, have now overturned the case on something that was never objected to in trial. They objected to it, so they overturned the jury and the federal judge. Then they also overturned my unjust enrichment claim because the media didn't want it. What they've allowed now is the media can defame you and profit from it, and you can't get any of their profits. And no matter how they harm you. Well, that's the equivalent of if you went out and robbed the bank and they caught you and they sentenced you to two years in prison for the bank robbery, but when you get out, you get to keep all the money you took. So that's in this they, particular case. Lo- yes, You're talking they're, about this particular which case. Which will now be the standard. Because they've insane. ruled that way. They now make it to where you can profit from wrongdoing. Because of this case. Yep. You, this, you, is a, this is such a touchy case because it's so indicative of the complications of people. Because people are not simple. It's really very, not touchy. Very, he well, lied. He did lie. but And, and he but harmed me with his lie. That, but that's not what I'm saying. What's complicated is he's also the subject of this gigantic movie and this symbol of patriotism. Where so many people will say, Chris Kyle, rest in peace. So many people would have... Uh, I, I saw a cloud... That was uh, someone took a photo in the cloud. That's not a cloud. That's uh, Chris Chris Kyle. It looked like a sniper in the cloud. In this, it's Chris Kyle guiding uh, guarding the skies. Like it became a meme. I mean, he became this thing where it wasn't. You know, he was a representative of the the brave military. Like the the portrayal. But hold on a second. The portrayal that Bradley Cooper played in that movie. That movie was so simplistic and so it was. It was like right well, out of a Joseph Campbell okay, movie, let like me the add perfect this. hero's journey. Had, had I not gone to court, that would have been in the movie. Really? I had to stop it. They were going to have him punch you in the movie. Have well, you certainly say it's in the book. Holy shit. And I had to stop it. Holy because, shit. Because, no, when we, were, when we were in trial, you know what they tried to do to diminish my role? Because when they knew they were going to lose... Their lawyer got me on the stand and he said, Mr. Ventura, he said, would it surprise you to know that the first uh, uh, draft of the movie doesn't have you in it? Trying to prove how insignificant 
my Why would you part say of the, the book. first draft of the movie? That of, doesn't of, mean shit. Well, the first draft yeah, of the script. The se- yeah, but so what if the second draft oh, has you in it? it though. I said, here's my response. I said, no, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Because I said, we've sent two letters to Warner Brothers warning them that if I'm indeed in, in this movie, they will be next to be sued. So we put Warner Brothers on notice that if this chapter's included in your movie, you will get sued next. And you know people out here, they don't want to step into a lawsuit. That's the only thing that kept me from being punched out in that movie and portrayed me as a villain in that frickin' movie. Not I've never a, seen the movie. Not just a villain, way more than a villain. Yeah. Right? I mean, that is insane. It is insane because what's, what's crazy to me and what's complicated about this is that there are thousands and thousands of brave men and women who have risked their lives, sacrificed their lives, and this guy becomes this this figurehead wait, wait, and where wait, he wait. he rises In, above including me including you yes very important but he rises above all this and becomes this icon um, figure yes this iconic figure that you can't tarnish and then the truth is irrelevant and they're willing to sacrifice people like you and the truth just for this overall image of patriotism yep it's crazy. What a crazy place that must have been for you. Still is. In fact, do you know that this person that I told you about with the seizures, the seizure disorder started right after this. Oh, I'm sure. And the seizures must doc- have been doctors overwhelming. Have, doctors have said seizures can be caused by stress. So I hold Chris Kyle directly responsible for the seizure disorder also that I had to face, that marijuana cured. Did you ever communicate with him face-to-face? Only once at the first, uh, when we first, in June, I didn't even know who he was. And then at, in June of 2012, after the book came out in January, uh, we had a settlement conference where he kept saying that if he met me in person, we could work it out. So at this conference, we agreed I would meet him in a room, the judge in the corner, and just he and I, like you and I are here. We sat down in the room, and I looked him right in the face, and I said, why did you do this? You never punched me. He looked me back and said, yes, I did. I turned to the judge. I said, there's no need to go any farther. I said, if he's not going to admit it didn't happen face-to-face, one-on-one, and I challenge his courage. Because, yeah, he had the courage to go to Iraq. He had the courage to shoot all these people, but he didn't have the courage to tell the truth, did he? What a bizarre moment that must have been, sitting across from that guy. Yeah, and he looked at me and said, yes, I did. What was the look in his face? I believe, and I'm not a doctor, but I've done some studying. I think he was a sociopath. Sociopaths can lie and hold a straight face, and they lie to the point where they believe their own lie. How bizarre is it that this iconic figure... Well, and then look how he died. Yeah. Well, he had no training in post-traumatic stress. He's not medical, and yet he's taking this Marine to a gun range who's suffering from post-traumatic stress. Wouldn't common sense tell you not to put a weapon in the hands of someone suffering? From post-traumatic stress. Well, I think every what guy do you do? suffering tell him from to post-traumatic man up? stress is what different, it, right? Well, what do they tell him? To man up? Why would you put a weapon in somebody's hands who's suffering from post-traumatic stress when you have no medical training? How is Kyle qualified to treat this guy? Well, I would assume it would be based on his own post-traumatic stress. 
But he didn't have it. He didn't have it at all. No. He was never treated for it. He may have had it. Maybe that's why he did what he did. I don't know. God, what a crazy place to be. But but the for me it's like I've been accused of something I didn't do. I don't even know the guy. Never I may have met him that night briefly. Well, Maybe. let me tell you something. I, I obviously didn't get uh, one one millionth of a percent of the amount of hate that you did. But just reading. I got read off F- September 11th of this year. I was in New York doing this book tour, and I got read off in a hotel lobby over this. What does that mean, read off? A guy yelled and screamed at me in front of the entire hotel lobby. Jesus Christ. That's what I live with now. And I haven't been damaged. My reputation isn't damaged over something I never did. What I was going to say is, I obviously haven't experienced one one millionth of the hate that you have, but I read, we read this article on the air. We were trying to figure out what happened when your case was going on. And so we read this article that was, I don't know, it was in the New York Times. See if you could find the article detailing all the various lies. Oh, that's that the New Yorker proven. magazine. The New Yorker. Yeah. New Yorker ma- they did an it's investigation stunning. of him. But it's stunning. And just reading that, the, the fucking amount of hate tweets and Facebook tweets and you fucking coward and you this and you that. I'm like, hey, I didn't write it. Okay? I'm just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And yeah. if someone puts something like that in the New Yorker with verified claims, I mean, everything's verified. Like yep. what, what they were saying that he said and what actually had happened was all verified. Yep. It's very, very, very confusing that somehow or another this slipped through the cracks and that this became their iconic figure. Again, not discounting, along with you, the thousands and thousands of patriotic Americans that risked their lives. And to- he is too. Nobody's denying right. he wasn't a great sniper. Nobody's denying he didn't do his job. I've never denied that from him or said that about him. He, he may be the best. I don't know. I'll still put my money on Carlos Hathcock, though, the Marine, <laughs> as being the best sniper. Well, especially now. But, uh, but uh, he, he did his job, and he did it well. But why did he have to take an old veteran? That would be like me taking a World War II guy and throwing him under the bus. Why the fuck would he choose you? Because I had fame. He, I think he got jealous that night. We were at the bar because everyone crowded around and wanted their picture with me. Wow. I don't know. He'll never be around to answer it. I'd love to know why he picked out me. I think because I'm probably the most famous, maybe, or I developed to be the most famous SEAL other than Dick Marcenko, the Rogue Warrior. Great you books. Know. Yeah. I've read his books. Well, uh, he's a friend of mine, Richard Marcenko. When, and, you, uh, when you sat down and you're talking to this guy, how, how much time were you actually in the room with him? Oh, couple of minutes was all the minute the minute he looked me in the eye and said i sure did hit you i turned to the judge and said we got nothing more to talk about you didn't want to i i was i even offered him i said if you will walk out to me with the press and admit you fabricated this story i will forgive you in front of the press and we will go on with our lives he would not do it. He did not have the courage to stand up and tell the truth. It takes a lot of courage to admit you lied about something that massive. I mean, this isn't lying about speeding, right? This is, this is a massive, but massive lie. But what about ruining my life, ruining my reputation, ruining my wife's life? Ru- I lost my conspiracy theory show because of it. Really? I can't get hired. 
Right now, I can't get a job. My last job was on the internet at Aura TV because the owner's Carlos Slim from Mexico. From that, you know who I'm hired? You know who I work for now? The Russians. Russian TV RTs, the only people that'll hire me because 34 media conglomerates entered this case to overturn me. You think they're going to hire me? Now explain that. Why do you think they did that? Do you think they did that because if they overturn your case, if they can somehow or another... Because they don't want to have to fact check. But is that it? Or is that discrediting you? Like That was a gigantic hit movie. But if they dis if they can discredit you, it makes that movie still valuable. Not only that, it stops me from running for president, don't it? If they can discredit me, do you want to run for president? I thought about it. Even living in Mexico, well, would you I, do it I, from I, Mexico? I would have had to have <laughs> forsaken that. That's why I didn't do it. The, the, no, the uh, the, the reason why you didn't run for president is because you would have to have forsaken living in Mexico. Let I would have had. Right now, I you might fucking win. I know. I, I think I could have won. No, the Libertarians contacted me twice to come to their convention. They wanted to nominate me. Jesse, come back to America. And, come, uh, come, come. And, and I chose not to do it because I was up for the campaigning. I was up to taking on, taking on the Dems and Repubs. But at this point at age 65, I wasn't up to do the job for four years where I'd have to f- end my lifestyle in Mexico. Because people don't realize when you ta- when you get one of them jobs like president or governor... Your freedom leaves that day. You don't have freedom. You're 24-7. You're bodyguarded 24-7 every day. You have no freedom whatsoever. I couldn't go in 100% on that, and I felt that if I, if I, to go for president, you have to be 100% committed to do the job. If you're not, you're cheating yourself, and you're cheating all the people that voted for you. If you're not 100% committed, I could not reach 100%, so I chose not to. So is this because of your own personal feelings about living in Mexico and having freedom and relaxation and, 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 and enjoying the quality of life? And also, I knew what would happen to me if I looked like I was going to win. I would be politically assassinated. They would pull up everything they could on me. You know, one of the things they missed, which I laugh about today when I ran for governor, they never found it out, and I've admitted it since, so it'll show up now. But they never found out, because I'm sure they would have tried to use it, even though it's irrelevant. If I'd have gone for president, they would have. You know what that is? What? I used to be sergeant-at-arms of the Mongols Motorcycle Club. Really? What does that mean? What's Sergeant at Arms? Just the guy carrying Third the guns? In command. The Mongols are. I watched some fucking one of those really terrible um, news sh- shows where they do reenactments of uh, like. Well, the Mongols are strong here in Southern California. Mm-hmm. We're the black and white. We're the ones that fought war the with black, the hell. What's the black and white? That's our colors. Oh, okay. The angels are red and white. Oh. The Mongols are black and white. Do, we, did you guys have shootouts with the angels occasionally? Yeah. Do you, think you, you have one of those jackets? We're the, we're the, yeah, I have that at home. <laughs> no, I was an officer, so I was allowed to keep mine. So what does that mean? Like, what did you guys do? At that time, it was 1973. I rode Harleys, and I was still in the Navy. I used to leave the base and put my colors on. But what, like sergeant at arms, what does that mean? You had to carry guns? No, sergeant at arms, you got the president of the chapter, you got okay. the vice president. Third is the sergeant at arms. Fourth is the secretary. It's very militaristic. Nobody wants to be the secretary. Yeah, you do. That yeah, makes you an officer. Job. No, but you keep track of all the money and stuff. <laughs> 
But what the fuck do you do? Like, do you just drive you ride around? bikes and party. But why do you need all that? Uh, those rankings and file and because all that jazz? because they're because it's a club. It's no. It's it's like uh, the, the the Elks. They have presidents of the Elks Club. Right. They have presidents of whatever other stuff there is. But the Elks Club doesn't get in gang wars with uh, the Moose Club. You well, you never know. You never know. They you might. never know. It might get crazy. A, tur- a turf war could happen. Right? You like don't the know. Navy and the Army might do. Yeah. Get out. The Elks yeah. and the Moose Club. And in my day, <laughs> a lot of the outlaw bikers were former military. Yes. And that was a big thing with the Hells Angels. Yeah, because you came home. People coming back from you, Vietnam. You wanted your camaraderie. You wanted a brotherhood. Right. You wanted... I did And it, they felt disenfranchised, right? I, I did it more for the adventure. I was getting out of the SEALs. I'd done two tours, uh, 17 months in Southeast Asia. I was going to transition into private life. I was riding a Harley. My two buddies that I'd ridden with a year earlier were now full-patch Mongols when I came back from my second deployment. Let me uh, me pretend to be a douchebag politician running against you here, I would say. Are you really prepared to have a former sergeant of arms from the Mongols Motorcycle Club running the United States of America? I don't think so, ladies and gentlemen. And I would counter that and say, nobody messes with the Mongols. Nobody will mess with the U.S. Well, that's um, that's people do mess with the Mongols, though, and we don't really. No, they don't. I would have to help you. No, they don't. Let's not do that. No, they don't. They do mess with the Mongols, right? Who don't does? they have wars? Don't they have those guys have? Don't they shoot it out in like Texas steakhouses and shit? Didn't they have like some no, big fucking was, shootout? Ours was Harrah's nightclub in uh, in uh, Nevada. When, oh, that was yeah. When was that? That was uh, back in '02. Yeah, but there was a big one a couple of years ago, right? Not with the, not with us. Wasn't with the Mongols I with us. That, so you, you're saying us? Like you're still with them, huh? They're, Is it a, like a Marine? You're a Marine for life? That yeah. kind of thing? You got a card on you? Yeah. What are you just going to pull out his goddamn Mongol card? Yeah. I don't believe this. What do you got in there? Mm-hmm. He's got a wallet. He's going to pull out a Mongol card. Let's see. Right next to his Disneyland year pass. Well, let me see here. I got, I got a, f- a Disneyland year pass. I got to find it now because I, I tuck it away. No, I actually... <laughs> uh, you have a Mongol card. I would think that you would need a tattoo. I would say, listen, bitch, if you really want to be down for life, we're going to get you a tattoo. I already have a tattoo. Of the Mongols? No. What is it? Like a UDT oh, the tattoo? Se- the seals. Yeah. I have the, tri- the Budweiser Trident. and. Uh... You try and find your Mongol card? How many of those cards do you actually There's need? mine. Look at that. And there's the card from Geo. The Hollywood Prez gave me his last time I saw him. Bam, motherfuckers. Legit. Too legit to quit. That's hilarious. That is hilarious. And my name was? I don't know. What was your you name? find it on there. You never go by your real name. Superman? Superman. Superman. <laughs> Why'd they call you Superman? Uh, because I was in such a physical specimen that when I was prospecting, they make you do push-ups and stuff, mm-hmm. and I liked it. Oh, so this is back in the Jesse, before the Jesse the Body Ventura Oh, yeah, days. this is back when I was transitioning out of the SEALs into civilian life. And in fact, it, it, there's a good transition I can tell you about that shows how a book should do due diligence before they write something. There was a book written by William Queen, an ATF agent who infiltrated the Mongols. It's called Under and Alone. And he infiltrated them and put like 25 of them in prison. Well, in the book, 
they wrote that I was a former Mongol, Governor Jesse Ventura, blah, 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 right? right? But you know what they did? Before the book was published, they sent me an entire copy of the book. They said, Governor, please read this, and if you have any problems, call us. So I read the book. I didn't hide from the fact that I was in the Mongols. I never do. Uh, but I did want them to change something, and they did. When I called them, I said, you stated the history of the Mongols that we started off like all white supremacist outlaw motorcycle clubs. I said, I would never join anything that was white supremacist. I said, to me, a biker is a lifestyle and the color of your skin has nothing to do with it. And I said, and the Mongols were not white supremacist. And she said to me, well, governor, how can you prove that? I started laughing. I said, I think I can prove it easily. She goes, tell me. This is the editor at Random House. I said, at what time did Mexicans become white supremacists? Because I said, the Mongols are 75% Latino Mexican. I was one of the few white guys who could ride into East L.A. and never be bothered because of my patch. So how can you call us what the Mongols started because they weren't Mexicans weren't allowed in the Hell's Angels. See, I knew so I'd the, like to. So the Mongols were, the Mexican <laughs> bikers started their own bike club because they weren't allowed to be angels. Well, and how yet did they, they miss allow that? white guys. But how did they miss that in, in writing the book? That seems stupid. That because seems like, okay, you didn't know any better. But that seems like a giant error. Like, it was. Now, that's like a critical that's what, that's aspect why I of the history them, of it. I had them pull out white supremacist. I said, and she started laughing when I said, well, I've never met a Mexican white supremacist. Have you? She said, no, I haven't either. I said, well, we're 75% Latino Mexican. She goes, really? I said, yes. And I gave her the history. The Mongols started because the Hell's Angels wouldn't allow Mexicans. That's hilarious. And that's how the Mongols got started in 1970. (sighs) Because they're 75% Latino Mexican, but they didn't have the same. You could be white. You know, I, right. w- I was a minority in the Mongols. To, now, was there crime involved in the Mongols? I don't when know. You were doing it? You like I told them, I was still in the Navy and they used to protect me. Whenever we'd have church. Church? Right? Church, that's meeting. They call it church? Mm-hmm. Whenever we'd have church, uh, if it got to anything that was at all illegal, my pres would send me out to watch the bikes. That's fucking weird. Well, they knew no, they knew I was in the military. I know, but I'd didn't face that feel double. bizarre to you? No, because I'd face double. I'd face military justice as well as civilian. A lot of these guys are old military. They did it to protect me. I appreciate that, but didn't it feel bizarre to you to be a part of a group that was probably doing some illegal shit? No, because I thought at least I won't go to jail. <laughs> they so you won't have nothing on me because I don't know nothing about it. And you didn't care. You you loved them no matter what. I loved riding. You should see when I'd get pulled over. We'd get pulled over by the CHP, California Highway Patrol, back then. And I'd pull out my active duty military ID. And they'd look at me and, what are you doing with these guys? I said, they like to ride bikes. So do I. Can't you just ride a bike by yourself? No. No, because cars have no respect for you. Ah, oh, so you ride if, bikes if to you're be riding, safe. If you're riding and looking like you showed what there up on the screen a little while ago, mm-hmm. you think the cars are going to bother you? They're going to get the uh-uh. fuck out of your way. That's right. right. Oh, that's interesting. Whoa, yeah, look there at that. we are right there. Yeah. Wow. And do you still put on those jackets and still get on the Harley? Yeah, except it ain't a Harley. 
What do you ride now? I ride a custom chopper that I had built, and it turned out there's not one Harley thing on it. I have an SS124 engine, which is bigger than anything Harley's got, V-twin, by SS out in Viola, Wisconsin. Uh, I have an SS124 cubic inches. The biggest Harley, I think, is 102. So do you drive this around Mexico? No, I drive it in Minnesota. Oh. And, uh, and I have, uh, it's a rolling thunder frame, uh, Arlen Ness front end and primary cover, uh, RevTech uh, tr- uh, six-speed transmission, Kiriakin gears. Turned out when I built the whole chopper, in the end, there wasn't one thing Harley on it. Is that good? I don't know. It's all custom made though. It's I and I put the old sissy bar that goes way up. I made a I made a custom bike. Do you, that are looks, you doing these things? The ape hangers? Yeah, you, you do that. Yeah, got the ape hangers and above the sissy your shoulders? bar. No, mine aren't that high. Mine okay. are about right here. Right here seems logical. Yeah, that seems logical. Yeah, these guys. This is yeah. Ridiculous no, I don't shit. go that high. That's ridiculous. I don't go, but I have an extended front end. Why do they do that though? With the up up high handlebars, looks you, cool. But you can't steer. Doesn't matter. It no. does. It does if you have to get the Not fuck out an of the way or something. To an outlaw. Hmm. Not to us. I understand. To us, it's all about you're being cool. You're a complicated cool. man, Mr. Ventura. It's you're a bunch being, of things. No, it's all about being cool. I get it, but you're a bunch of things. You're, like sissy bars. You don't have them today. The guys that built the bike didn't even know what they were. What's a sissy bar? That's the bar that sticks up high in the back. Oh, okay. Well, that's a in, sissy bar? Yeah, that's what they call it so you don't slide off the seat. Sissies. You, oh, you know, that's what, sissies. But, but see, to me, I don't like saddlebags. Right. So a sissy bar is the replacement. I'm going to bungee anything I need to take with me on the sissy bar, like the sleeping bag and anything else you're taking. You uh, bungee it to the sissy bar for when you drive down the road, because I don't dig saddlebags. So you'll drive down the road and go camping somewhere? No, I, I rode. Actually, I rode when I got out of office. I rode all over Minnesota flying my colors, and no one even recognized me. You know why? Why? I went to a place. I had a full beard after I taught at Harvard. And so... Johnny Depp had come out in, in, in Captain Jack Sparrow. So I went to a place with a picture, and I says, can you make my beard look like that? And they go, sure. So they braided my beard. Oh, I remember beard. when you were doing that. So I had all the braids, right? <laughs> then they talked me into letting me put dreadlocks. They sewed them into my hair. So And they dyed my hair jet black. I had dreadlocks to hear. The thing like that, I rode... One year after I was out of office, I drove all over Minnesota with dreadlocks to my shoulders, the beard, no helmet, because we don't have a helmet law, and people were locking their doors. I had my Mongo colors on, and here I'm the governor. (laughs) It was great. Never recognized. That is so bizarre. Never recognized, because I had dreadlocks. They gave me all the way to the shoulders. Now, why are you riding around with no helmet on? Why? Because you don't have to in Minnesota. Yeah, but why wouldn't you want to protect your head? Uh, I don't like helmets. I don't think they should be mandatory. I think something far more... You know what I laugh at? What? When you see someone wearing a helmet and riding a bike with tennis shoes. It's far more important to have over-the-ankle boots as a biker than a helmet. Why is that? Your feet touch the ground. What's the, what's going to stable you if you start sliding out? Your foot. Right. Okay. You don't want tennis shoes. You want an over-the-ankle, laced-up boot. So or you're an pretty engineer confident boot or that something. if you dump, you'll be able to protect your head? I don't know, but I, I, it's a choice of freedom. But what, what about one of the little skullcap jammies that go like a hat? What, no? if my, what if my head starts itching? Jesus Christ, scratch it. No, then you got to rub the helmet. That's why when you see a biker rubbing his helmet, it's because his head's itching. Well, we'll just look. Look, let me put it to you this way: not worry about an itch. Wait, 
I'll accept helmets on motorcycles when they make people in convertibles that don't have roll bars have to wear them. Mm, I have a convertible that doesn't have a roll bar. Then you should have to wear a helmet. That's a good point. What if you roll that car and you don't have a helmet on? That's a very good point. There you go. I think about that sometimes So the day that you got to have a roll bar is the day I'll put the helmet on. All right, buddy. Relax. And I can't wait to see these women in Beverly Hills with their convertible Mercedes having to put helmets on. Well, those actually have <laughs> roll bars built in. They pop up when one wheel goes off the ground, if you know about that. It's I don't know German about engineering. That. Okay. Yeah, they're, very, they're on the ball. Well, I own Porsche. Porsche don't have it. What do you mean Porsche doesn't have it? What year? I got a 2000 and a 2003. You, so you have a 996. No, I, well, I have, a, I have a Boxster S, and I have the twin turbo. Okay, well, that should have that built in. It should have it so when you I'm a flip hard top. over. I'm a hard top, though. I'm a coupe. The Boxster. No, the twin turbo is a hard top. Yeah. Right, okay, that doesn't have a roll bar. Yeah. But you, you have a Boxster. Yep. The Boxster should have something. It has something. Yeah, because anything, I think, Anything past the 90s that's a convertible has some sort of a built-in roll bar or some sort of reinforcement. I've never seen it. Yeah. Well, you haven't flipped it. But Don't the new one's absolutely But I'm getting do. rid of both of them. I'm Why going to a Tesla. Whoa, you're getting crazy. Going to yeah. a Tesla. Yeah. Test drove a Tesla. It's unbelievable. Oh, they're amazing. Oh. Yeah. I've, I've, and I want to feel young. It's a computer-driven car, no gas. That makes you feel young? Yeah, because I, I grew up in the 60s with all the muscle cars. And I never dreamed there'd be electric cars that can beat any combustible engine out there off the line because the Tesla can beat anything. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. My, yeah. my twin turbo, professionally driven, will do 0 to 60 in 2.9. The Tesla does it in 2.6, unprofessionally driven. Yeah, no, they're ridiculous. Oh, they're ridiculously it, fast. Yeah. It's called, and you know what they call it? It's called the ludicrous option. Mm-hmm. He took it right out of Spaceballs. Yeah. Ludicrous. The guy's got a sense of humor. He definitely does. The ludicrous option. But it, uh, no, I, and see, I'm going to do my house in Minnesota totally solar. Mm. And I'm going to do it to where it's 105%. So that way I can also fill my cars up off the sun. So uh-huh. I will be completely off. Any type in my home or my cars will all be powered in Mexico and Minnesota by the sun. That's including awesome. my cars. That's awesome. As long as you don't have to go on a big road trip. Um, well, Germany. They, they now have it. It's all computerized to where you can show where you can charge up again. And they're getting 300 miles now to a charge. And you know what sort else is of. great about the Tesla? Well, it depends how you drive it. Yeah. You know what else is great is their warranty. Eight years, unlimited mileage, and in that eight-year period, any improvements made to the car, you get free. So upgrades, like digital upgrades. Anything. That's amazing. For eight years. So eight you could own the Tesla for eight years. I'm, I'm doing an ad for him. You could own a Tesla for eight years, and the car you own eight years from now will be identical to whatever they're selling new. Yeah, I drove one uh, for a day. There's a, uh, what is that fucking company called? Skirt. Yeah, there's a company called Skirt, and they it's like uh, Uber for rentals. They deliver a rental, you drive it for a day. Yeah. Or when, as long as you need it. And uh, my issue was that the battery just ran out way too quick for me, for what I do. I just do too much. See, for me, it ain't, because I live in Minnesota, and I mm-hmm. never drive over 100 miles in a day. Right. Golf course ain't that far. Right. I get it. I <laughs> no, get it. for me in my life, I'm 65 now. I don't need to be trapped. I've never, do you know something that'll shock you? I've never owned a cell phone and I never will. Whoa. I was going to text you. I'm, you can't. <laughs> I don't have a cell phone. I've never How come used, you don't have a cell phone? For what? I like talking to people. Are you kidding? I was out in New York. 
I was out in New York doing this book tour, and I forget, I was at Sirius, and we were in the green room, and there were 10 people in that green room. Nine of the 10 sat there the whole time doing things with a phone. I was the only one who sat and looked around the room and watched nine other people zeroed in on a screen, which if you count TV and that... What, we spending 16 hours a day now looking at screens? I believe in evolution. What's that going to lead to? Mm, it's going to lead to some strange times, oh, for sure. some but, strange people, too. But wouldn't you rather just have it and have the discipline and not use it? No. No. Just Number it. one, I never took typing. So if I'm going to send anything, it'll take me too long. With I, your thumbs? When I taught, so when I, easy. When I taught at Harvard... Uh, I actually sent my only email there to a student. One I, email? You well, only sent well, one I email up, ever? I sent a couple, but they actually taught me how to use the computer while I was at teaching at Harvard in my office. And I actually, students would want to talk to me, so I'd have to line up a schedule. And I actually, I sent an email to a student where I told him, this is the first email Jesse Ventura's ever sent in his life. Do with it as you see fit. I'll bet you the students still got it. Knowing Maybe. I have the first email Jesse Ventura ever sent. That's pretty And ridiculous. when I left Harvard, there went the computer. I haven't done it since. You don't have a computer? My wife does. Wow. She does all that. I don't. So that's probably one of the main reasons why this whole Chris Kyle thing blew up and you had no idea about it. Yeah, because I was in Mexico. You're in Mexico. You don't have an internet. No, I have internet there. Yeah. That's how I learned. My son sent me an email telling me about what happened. So you have email. Yeah, and I have Skype. So I had to end up getting through the satellite. I had to get my attorney to file the lawsuit immediately to stop him from from this story but he, they continued promoting it for another six months in fact you know how bad the book company did harper collins who's the same company that owns fox news they're all under the same umbrella harper collins if you would have typed my name in on the internet would have immediately sent you to the chris kyle story they did that to sell more books wow see the conspiracy that i went against in this deal now i got to go through it again well, it's so long ago. It's so crazy that it's still going on. I mean, this is 2012, right? Yeah, it happened in 2012, and it, it's now 2016. It's over four years. Jesus it'll be Christ. It'll be five years in January. How do you stay calm in all this? Does it, has it, the stress lessened at all? or No. What are the consequences for you if you lose? Uh, financially, it's cost me over a million dollars. Jesus no Christ. one. Well, I'm the plaintiff. No one pays for me. It's cost me over a million dollars, four years of attorney fees, and the courts and everything that's gone with it has cost me a million dollars to clear my name. Now, if I had done this, why would I do that? Well, if it certain- had happened, why would I spend a million dollars in court clearing my name? Has over time, when more information has come out about the other things that he said that turned out to not be true, has public opinion sort of shift towards your way? It has now it somewhat, like it has to me. somewhat, but you still have these people who will accost me in hotels. It happened in Mexico, too. What happened? Well, a person came up to me in a hotel lobby and read me off. And what do you say? I say, but I didn't do it. And all I'm doing is seeking the truth. You and don't what do believe they say? in it. They, they think don't give that you're a damn. going after the family. Yeah. So it's that. Yeah. They think I'm going after the family, which the family isn't going to lose a nickel. I'm, it's a big insurance company. 
that I'm fighting hired anybody knows this that's read a written a book because in your contract it states if any lawsuits come of this nature the publisher will handle it right the publisher handles it but there is there any consequences to the family where they don't profit as much because of the fact there's a lawsuit the lawsuit cuts back on the profits for the book and the movie no because the insurance company will pay the whole lawsuit it seems to me so, that they, and they hire some... and they hire them before the book's ever even written. Right, Error, errors and omissions, right? Yeah, what, yeah, yeah. And so, no, it it won't affect and anything. And it, it the lawsuit itself won't affect the popularity of the book unless unless they find out he was a liar and don't choose to read his book because I, I've never read his book. Why would I? He wrote a lie about me. How could I believe anything else in it? What a terrible position to be in. Oh, yeah. And Especially when you're innocent. Not not just innocent, but you are uh, you lose, a loved lose either and way. respected celebrity in his 60s, and this happens. This is It's kind of a crazy feeling. Yeah. Especially when you didn't do nothing. What else could you have done? I mean, it's almost like you have to go to court over this. I had be- to. I did it have was to. Such, it was such an iconic movie and such an iconic thing. Have you ever talked to Bradley Cooper? No. I don't hold nothing against him. He's no, just an actor. Not. Of course He's not. He's just an actor doing a job. Yeah. You know? But I My mean, friend directed it, Clint Eastwood. He's oh, a friend Jesus of mine. Jesus Christ. And what, did you talk to Clint? No. Jesus. No. The whole thing is so fucked up. It's yeah. just so crazy that you sat across the table from this guy, and he tells you he did it. He tells you, I did punch you. Yeah. And I know he didn't, and I know he didn't have the courage to face up to the truth, or or mental capability of him wouldn't let him. I don't know what his or problem some, was. Something wrong. Yeah, something wrong. Something, some fuse blown. Some... I don't know. I don't know. But why would you take one of your own and throw him under the bus? It would be like me doing it to a World War II guy. Just fucking crazy. You know, and especially I I like to tell people, you know, remember us Vietnam veterans, we weren't cheered. We got blamed for the war. And which is a big part of what the Hells Angels was all about, like trying to find camaraderie in another group. But we got blamed. Yeah. The politicians blamed us for the war. Right. And the public sentiment here in that country at that time, we were baby killers. Mm -hmm. We were all these horrible, vile, you know, guys got spit on when they came home. And it was the first time in history, in the United States history, that veterans came back and were treated that way. Yep. Whereas every other In fact, I will tell you this. For 10 years, I didn't even acknowledge I was a Vietnam vet. Wow. Because you didn't even acknowledge it. No one wanted to know you were. Nobody said welcome home to you. Nobody said thank you. These Iraq guys, they get parades for them. It's so so interesting because it seems like in that sense, they got that right at least. At least it's not like the the way the Vietnam veterans were treated. But this... This fucking story just doesn't sit right with me. It's just... It's, it's horrible. So, it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable because... How would you like to have lived it for five years like I have? I couldn't imagine. But it, what's so uncomfortable about it is that I feel like the the sentiment behind the movie and the public's perception of the movie and the public's, the public's love and gratitude towards him and the rest of the military was, to me, like a, 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 an amazing moment in a lot of ways. It's like people, well, people wanted to let me give thank you, people. Uh, let, who, me, let me give you a different perspective for a moment. Mm-hmm. I talked about this on my internet show. Who's more powerful, God or government? Uh, government. 
You want to know why? Yeah. Well, God says something very simple. Thou shalt not kill. There's no asterisk by it. There's not except for this reason or that Mm -hmm. reason. It's simple. Thou shalt not kill. But yet you can kill at the behest of government and it's okay. Yeah, it's super complicated. Okay, wait. And if you and kill convoluted. and if you kill a bunch of people at the behest of government, they make you a hero. Yet God says thou shalt not kill. Yet if I kill a lot of people for the government, I'm a hero. How can that be? How can there be a double standard like that? That so well, it shows completely that government's more powerful than God because government allows you to kill when God says you can't, and government rewards you for it and may, gives you hero status for it, and God doesn't do anything about it. It is pretty complicated thinking when God is a big part of the military. I mean, when the nine eleven happened, when the nine eleven attacks happened, and uh, George Bush on television said that God is with the troops. I mean, that you know what is... the worst thing I ever heard him say when he was trumping up the Iraq war, I'll never forget it. Cause I opposed the Iraq war before it even happened. I said, this is ridiculous. Iraq didn't have nothing to do with nine 11. Why are we invading Iraq? Well, I'll never forget Bush's press conference where he walked out and announced that he was sending in our military. We're going to attack Iraq. And he was getting ready to leave the stage. And a final reporter asked him, Mr. President, did you consult your father, meaning Bush Sr.? Because, you know, Bush Sr. had the Kuwait-Iraq thing happen during his watch. And I'll never forget George Bush turning around to the press and the American people, smiling and going, no, I consulted a higher father. I was sitting in my chair at home and almost fell out of it. I said, this guy wants me to believe that he talked to God and God told him to invade Iraq. You're saying you consulted a higher Higher father. father. It's like going up to a rock. And, and well, asking excuse, the rock what you should do with your ex, life. Like, ex, you're not getting any answers back. Well, excuse me. And then I said, I've been on the earth as long as this guy. I'm twice the man George Bush is, and God ain't never said a word to me in my entire existence. Yet this guy wants me to believe God talks to him? Yeah, they just let that go. If yeah, you just say that was God just talked amazing. to me, they just let that slide. Oh, yeah. Oh, he consulted God. He, he consulted mm. a higher father. We'll be right back. So in other words, <laughs> they, he, he wants yeah. us to believe that his invasion of Iraq had God's blessing. And all the people of this country accept that. It's one of those convenient acknowledgments. And Jesse know? Ventura can say it because I've come out of the closet. You've come out of the closet for what? I'm an atheist. You're an atheist in that you don't believe in I don't believe any in higher, higher power. Beating. Nothing? No. no. He ain't selling me on that. Do you believe Not in the possibility pr- of something happening when you die? No. You don't? You think no. if you die, you just go dark? I don't know. That's a wrap. Yep, that's a wrap. Hmm. There's no proof, right? That anything else happens. It's just a belief. Just a belief. And to me, I don't believe it because, like I said, I've been on the planet sixty-five years now, and God's never spoke to me. Now, if I'm wrong, people say, "Well, what if you're wrong?" I'll say, "Well, God made me with a brain to think, didn't He? He's going to condemn me because I used it." 
Well, religion, in a sense, is pretty ridiculous. The idea that God came to people a long fucking time well, ago when they didn't the even deal. have books and Did told you, everybody about the world. Have you and heard then about wanted Horus? everybody to just pass it down. Do you know about Horus? Sure. Well, Horus was an Egyptian god who has the identical same bio as Jesus. Only he predates him by a couple hundred years. So who's the real one? They did this. They were both born of a virgin. They both walked on water, allegedly. They both healed the sick. They both were crucified and buried, rose again from the dead. Jesus did it, and so did Horus. Well, there's, uh, <laughs> there's a ton of parallels throughout history. Well, and that's my point. Yeah. That's why I'm not a believer. Well, I'm not because, a believer in anything that ancient people th said about be communicating with higher powers and passing down laws that must be without a doubt followed and some of them are ridiculous you can't wear the same type of two different types of cloth i mean you can be put to death for wearing two different types of cloth i mean i don't know if people know that yeah there's a lot of really fucking goofy ones well yeah. how about the story of who was the the gentleman in the bible where he was bald and two children mocked him for his baldness so uh god sent two bears to attack the kids and maul them and kill them that's in the Bible. Yeah, that's Old Testament yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, make fun of a, a bald guy like you and me. Yeah. And a fucking bear comes and kills kids. Where, do you, find, where do you find these bears? I'd yeah. like to locate them. <laughs> but I mean, what I've kind sure of a been God made, is that? No, I've been made fun of enough. Yeah. Could I have a couple of attack bears then, the next guy that makes fun of us? But it's what a fucking <laughs> ridiculous thing to say and to put that in the Bible. Like the fact that two kids can make fun of you being bald, and so God punishes those kids by having a fucking bear attack them. Yeah. Like, how about it doesn't bother you if you're bald? Like, well, what how, kind of a pussy are you? The how, little kid's how, taunting how, you. How about the fact that they tell you that the world's only 5,000 years old? I think it's 10. 10, whatever, 510, <laughs> whatever the hell it is. I don't keep track of it. But, I mean, how ridiculous is that? Well, they've done it very scientifically. They counted up all the ages of all the people in the Bible. So I don't know how you are arguing with this. <laughs> it's a very accurate book. <laughs> It's, it's hilarious, too, that they'll say, well, that's Old Testament. You don't follow the Old Testament. Oh, so you want to follow the book that was written by Constantine and a bunch of fucking bishops? Not only that, Constantine wasn't even a Christian until he was on his deathbed. Constantine converted when he was a dying old man. He uh, wasn't a Christian maybe, through his entire reign. So there's hope for Jesse. Ah. <sighs> For I'll just follow Constantine. When mm. I get to the dying bed, if I find out there's God, I'll just see your, the light. Just hedge your bets. <laughs> yeah. Look, if there's no, it's like <laughs> a, like what Dan Bilzerian would say: it's, you can't lose in this bet because if you're wrong and there <clears throat> is no God, like if you if you get to the deathbed and you convert to Christianity. And you're wrong. And there is no God. It doesn't matter anyway because yeah. it's all just darkness, yeah. right? You just go blank. But it's if kinda, you're right, you know, it's kind of like the Republicans and the Democrats. It's kind of like you filing your taxes January 28th. No, you it's slip in. It's like a the couple of days. It's early. like the Republicans and the Democrats. How's that? Well, that they they when you go to their conventions, the lobbyists attend both and they pay off both sides. So it doesn't matter who wins the presidency. They've already. It'd be the equivalent of betting on the Super Bowl. If you bet on both teams, you don't lose, do you? Well, that's that's what the lobbyists right. do. They bet on both teams. So whether Hillary or Trump wins, they got their base covered. It don't matter to them. They've already paid them off. The only thing that really changes, whether it's right to left, is. The, the aspects of society that are affected by the social changes. 
Like Obama was much more lenient towards gay marriage, towards a lot of social issues. Yeah, but he was much more strict on putting us under more uh, surveillance, which mm-hmm. is a social issue. Yes. Uh, so it, it plays out the same way. He may have been lenient on certain social things, and then more people are now in jail, and look what he does to whistleblowers. Whistleblowers, yeah, I was going to bring that Destroys up. them. And uh, so everybody that thinks Obama is kinder to the people on social, not really. It seems like it on, on the surface, when you look at his demeanor, and the way he carries himself. But then when you look well, at his he's, actual he's actions. presidential. Yes. Well, he's the most presidential president we've had in a and long, he's all, long and, time. And I'll say this. He's the most dynamic speaker since Jack Kennedy. See, I don't think he's that dynamic oh, anymore. I, do. I anymore. think Obama. I think he's kind of beaten down by time. Yeah, but he's eight years in now, and you've heard him long enough. But he is the most dynamic speaker since yeah, Kennedy. Yeah, but he's not. The actions don't back the words. So the words. Oh, that's don't, true. Like the words before he ran for, when he was running for office. I was like, holy shit, this is the guy. Yep. This is the guy. I mean, this is the solution. And the same yeah. thing's going to happen with Hillary. All the women out there that think, oh, we're going to get our first female president. Yes, you're going to get him, but it ain't going to be nothing different. Yep. You're going to get the same government completely because Hillary's a globalist. She supports all the global initiatives. She's also for war. The thing that troubles me when they attack Trump, and I'm not a Trump supporter, but... Hillary, they claim Hillary has the experience. Well, let's look at it. When she was a senator, the most important vote she took was to vote in the affirmative to invade Iraq. She now admits that was her biggest mistake. Excuse me, Madam Clinton. That was the most important vote and you blew it? Now you're going to have your finger on the button? What happens if you make the same mistake? that you made with the war on Iraq, which you now admit was the worst vote you took as a senator approving the Iraq war. And yet she took it, didn't she? She voted to the affirmative, let's go to war with Iraq. Yeah, it's very troubling. The the momentum of influence of all these lobbyists and special interest groups and all the money that's behind her, all the bankers, all the the different people that are are paying her for these $250,000 an hour speeches... At what point in time do you gather up enough money where this doesn't make sense anymore? When you start thinking about your children and your children's children and the future of the world, or do you think that she thinks she's doing the right thing? She thinks she's doing the right thing. That's the system. That that's the system. You the, have the, to play the, within the system. The system they've created, the Democrats and Republicans, is a system based upon the concept of bribery. Now, if you do bribery in the private sector, you go to prison. But in the public sector, it's completely alive and well. That's why I don't trust any career politician, because that means they're comfortable in a system of bribery, a corrupt system. And if they're comfortable to work in that corrupt system for all those years, that means they're corrupt, too. You could win. You know, you could be the president. Like I know. You, you're one of the few independents that literally could win. I, I mean, know. especially now. I like, know. if you see what's going on now with Trump and the, the what I call grab the pussy gate. Yeah. If grab the pussy day, gate doesn't, get, he's fucking moved up in the polls. He's moved up since the first debate. It, what this is madness. I mean, we're we're dealing with a mad, mad world right now. Well, we're dealing with uh, what I see in the United States today. At least a faction of it. We are going down the identical road of 1930s Germany. Look at what we're doing. 
we're marginalizing one group of people, the Mexicans. They're responsible for everything bad in the country, right? What did the Germans do? They did that with the Jews. They got all the other people angry at the Jews, all the Germans, so that they could write everything we're doing right now parallels 1930s Germany to a T. You know what's really crazy? We're uh, waging wars throughout the world. We're invading countries. Uh, there, I don't know if you know this, but there was a poll taken three years ago by Gallup, and it never got any publicity here. International poll, 3,000 people, I think, and they posed the, no Americans, nobody from the U.S., and they posed the question, if your country were to go to war today, who do you think it would likely be against? 23% answered the United States, 8% answered China, 6% said Pakistan. So one out of four international people believe that if they go to war, the United States will be the adversary. As a veteran, I hang my head in shame over that. Run, Jesse, run. Too late. Come on, man. Too late. Why is it too late? You I have healthy? to wait till 2020 now. It's too late to get in this one. I'd have had to go to the libertarian thing. you got to have ballot access. Yeah, but 2020 is a good time. Well, Look, we'll Donald see. Donald Trump's I, 70. I, I Hillary's 70. We'll get you on the juice. Well, I'll be almost fire 70. Fire you up. We'll give you some uh, of my healthy diet. Uh, I'm almost 70, and I never say never. You know, Maybe when if Hillary wins and the women see there's no difference having a woman, as we learn, there's no difference having a black man in there. It's still business as usual. Uh, maybe when they learn all that, if the revolution continues to happen, because you know, here's something interesting. The Bernie's people and the original Trump people wanted the same thing. Yeah, they wanted to dissolve but they could, this but system. But they couldn't come together right. because one's left, ultra-left, the other's ultra-right. The, 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 the status quo is now using that to survive. They're keeping the revolutionaries separated so that they can survive with business as usual. Well, there's two completely different factions. One that wants to dissolve the system because he thinks it's corrupt, but he uses certain aspects of the system to make vast amounts of money. The other one doesn't really care about money and really thinks that people should make more money for their... I mean, there's a lot of things that I agree with. But both agree to clean house. Yes, what we got house. now is a mess. Exactly. And clear the house out and start over. Yeah. Both agree to that. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that people support in Trump, and they wish that he wasn't the guy he is. Yeah. And so they try to pretend that he's someone other than who he is. I, I really believe, and I believe this, if I would have gotten in the race and and gotten into the debates... I could have won. Oh, you definitely could have won. You're a way better speaker than either one of them. And, well, well, Hillary and I, and is isn't very even, it isn't clean. even the speaker. It's I don't have the I don't have the baggage. Right. And and did you know? Here's some interesting. But the speaker things. aspect is a huge I've, issue. I when I ran for governor, I only raised three hundred thousand dollars. That's it. Yeah, I made more money doing the job than what I spent to get it. That's the, that's unprecedented. Yeah, Isn't that's that why they don't. That's why they don't want to talk about me. That's why they they want me gone. I've beaten them twice. Well, you're also uh, an actual military veteran. Yep. You're also a man who's actually held office before, yep. and you're actually not a career politician. Yep. But you've done the job, yep. and you have a very good insight on what it's all about. Yep. You're also a conspiracy theorist, which is, scares the shit out of them, right? Well, but let's remember they did a huge study in England and found that conspiracy theorists are generally more intelligent. 
Oh, you got to meet some of my friends. No, they're more intelligent. I'll throw because, a fucking monkey because, wrench right into that study. Because, <laughs> because they don't accept things. They do their own personal studies mm-hmm. before they bring up an opinion. Right, but then there's some flat earth people and chemtrail oh, people, and there's yeah. some wacky shit that gets thrown into the mix there, too. Yeah, Dinosaurs but, aren't real. There's yeah, but I'll tell you something. As crazy as some of them sound... Sometimes after a few years go by, you start thinking, you know, they might be right. What do you think I've, about people landing on the moon? I think we were there. Okay. Yeah, absolutely I do. Do you think any of the footage is fake? I'd like to not believe it is. I don't know. I've never studied it. I've never sat down and really hammered out. I was 18 years old. I just graduated from high school when allegedly you walked on the moon. That's the only one I was still more, fucks with me I sometimes. was far more concerned at that time of Woodstock, mm. and uh, that uh, that also happened that the, year. The real issue with conspiracy theories is the absolute proven ones, like Gulf of Tonkin, which got us into the Vietnam War that yep. you were part of, like uh, Operation Northwoods, which was signed by the Joint Chiefs of Staff and vetoed by Kennedy, where they had planned attacks on Guantanamo Bay. They were going to arm yep. Cuban friendlies to attack Guantanamo Bay, blame it on the Cubans, and let us go to war with Cuba. They were yep. going to blow up a drone jetliner. They were going to fly yep. a jetliner, blow it up, blame it on Cuba. They were going to do and, all these different things. And after things. knowing all that, yeah. I, you also ought to include the murder of John Kennedy. Yeah. Because well, I don't buy... I don't either. At all. At all. What they've told us. And let's bring in 9-11. Well, the murder of John Kennedy, to me, is... First of all, there's so many aspects of it that people like to conveniently ignore, like the magic bullet. Not not just the path, because bullets take crazy paths. I'm sure you know that. Bullets, I mean, you can shoot someone in the front, and the bullet will come out of their eyeballs. It does happen. Yeah. It's, it, things ricochet off bone. Weird shit happens. But a bullet does it, not go it, through bone and come out looking like that. And it not just only, doesn't. Not only that, it can't be bigger than it originally was. Exactly. There's more particles inside the body than are missing the, from the bullet itself. Exactly. Yes. And so that the, is a so fact. The, so the bullet can't get bigger than what it yeah. originally was. That bullet went through Kennedy, shattered bones in Connolly's body, and came out looking pristine. Now, I, yeah. I've shot a lot of bullets. I, I know what happens when you hit animals with bullets. When you hit bones, I have these two copper bullets from an elk I shot, and they're fucked up. Well, I'll, I, we recreated it on conspiracy I theory, and I couldn't make the shots, and I'm an expert. Yeah. I, I mean, you couldn't. The thing that was hard, you couldn't work that bolt mm-hmm. quick enough. Like, they, they claim he got the shots off in like six seconds. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous. See, the, fa- the fastest I could do it without even aiming was 7.8. Mm-hmm. And that was not even taking an aim. Well, I think if the gun was lubed up well, if you practice really well, I don't have a problem with someone being able to do something extraordinarily quickly. Carlos couldn't. The sniper. Carlos Hathcock. They recreated the whole thing for him, and he couldn't make the shots, and he's the greatest sniper in history, and he even laughed about it and said, you're going to tell me Oswald could outshoot me? Isn't it possible that he got lucky? No. I mean, isn't it possible that he got lucky with one shot? Not with the third shot. No. Nah. And why wouldn't you, like in Oliver's movie, why, if you want it, why didn't you take it when he's coming at you? Mm-hmm. Well, he couldn't get into that position. If it really oh, yeah, was Lee could. Harvey he was Oswald right there. acting alone. Right there. Okay, I see Car's coming right at way. you before it makes the turn. Well, that the way, if you miss, the next one's going to be closer. The weird thing is that they had to come up with a magic bullet theory to account for a bullet that hit the underpass and ricocheted off of the curb and hit a guy. Yeah. And because of that, that's why they had to account I'll, for one bullet doing I'll, all that I'll damage to two people's bodies. I'll give you another interesting one. I interviewed Mr. Newman. 
and Mr. Newman's was the physical person closest to the fatal headshot. He's the guy you see who covers his kids mm-hmm. in all the movies. That's yeah. Mr. Newman. And I asked him this a few years ago when I was doing the show. I met him there and interviewed. I said, where did you think the bullet came from? He said, oh, it came from over my shoulder, which mm. puts it right at the picket fence because he was right down there. And he said it came from over his right shoulder. And he, the, we had his FBI report there, right, one page. And I said to Mr. Newman, I said, well, Mr. Newman, when you stated it came over your shoulder, which put it at the grassy knoll, I said, how did the Warren Commission respond to this? You know what he said to me? He looked at me and said, I was never called in front of the Warren Commission. And I went, you were the, the closest living witness to the headshot, and they never even brought you in to ask you a question? Nope. Hmm. Why? Because they saw his initial report didn't fit with what they were going to put out. Yeah. So they conveniently didn't call him in. There's also two different um, accounts from the autopsy. Um, the, the the Bethesda, Maryland version versus the Dallas version of the entrance wound on the neck. You know, they call it an entrance wound, and uh, yeah. the, the, the Bethesda, Maryland said it was a tracheotomy wound. I mean, they they yeah. changed it from a yeah. bullet hitting him in the front to a trach wound. Well, what's his name also changed it? Uh, Gerald Ford. Yeah. The back bullet. He moved yes. it up. Yeah. Now, how do you do those things? You yeah. Know? And then the, the other interesting thing was... Harold Weisberg wrote about it in his great books, Whitewash. Harold, it took him 10 years to get the minutes of the Warren Commission. It came out that a Houston newspaper stated Oswald was a paid FBI informant, had his number and the whole thing. So the Warren Commission had to hold an emergency meeting, and it took Harold 10 years to get the minutes because they withheld them. Now, you'd think they were meeting to discover and find out about this right Mm -hmm. the whole minutes to the meeting had nothing to do with that the minutes to the meeting dealt with completely how do we cover this up now the guy who is how do we cover this up pretty ridiculous you know the guy who is the closest to play devil's advocate when when any sort of a chaotic event happens your memory is usually fucked up because you're dealing with adrenaline especially someone who's not used to being in sort of combat type situations human memory is one of the most faulty pieces of evidence you could ever get. People remember all kinds of shit that isn't real. And if the story started getting out that there was people shooting from behind the grass, you know, it's entirely possible that someone can fabricate something in their own mind and not even be deceptive. Maybe. 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 But if I would think that if you were there and you you heard the shot and you felt it go over your shoulder. I would think you. If you told me, if well, you Mr. told Newman me, Newman was you've in been the military, guns, I think. I don't know, Mr. Newman. Yeah, I, I, I never quizzed him on that, but I thought he was. But there, there were other others too, not just him. Right, but you have to. There's agree a lot. That you of, have to there's throw. a lot of witnesses right. who said that they. And in fact, there's a photo where you see smoke going across the plaza, right from the grassy knoll in the air. Have you ever seen? Oh, did you ever read uh, David Lifton's book, Best Evidence? Yep. It's an amazing book. That was yeah. the, that was the book that got me on the conspiracy theory, tra- theory trail. But there There's was an better, analysis done. The one you need to read is Whitewash by Harold uh, Weisberg. I'll read it this weekend. Whitewash. I'm, I'm, I'm you got me fired up again. Um, there was a, um, a a crazy analysis of all the witnesses of the Kennedy assassination and how many of them died untimely deaths. And yep. It is fucking terrifying. Yep. And if, if if you haven't seen that, folks, Jamie, see if you can find that. 
Um, oh, yeah, witnesses to, to the Kennedy assassination that died untimely deaths. I mean, but they did a statistical analysis yep. of the odds of all these people getting murdered. And uh, just in like random killings, yeah, w- random murders and fucking bizarre suicides. Yeah. It's insane. Well, how about Dorothy Kilgallen, the great Washington reporter? She went out and got an interview with Jack Ruby. She came out of the interview stating, I'm going to break the Kennedy case wide open. Got back to New York and they found her dead the next day. Her name's yeah. Dorothy Kilgallen. She's yeah. one of the most famous reporters in New York. And she got an interview with Jack Ruby, and she came out of the interview, and all she'd quote was, I'm going to break the Kennedy case wide open. Yeah, I remember and then, that. And then she was found dead within a week. What's interesting, too, is this idea that Lee Harvey Oswald either acted alone or the government have, have assassinated you ever Kennedy. Met, do you know of Judith Vary Baker? Why do I know that name? Well, she was Oswald's girlfriend okay. in New Orleans, and she's written a book called Lee and Me. Great book. Yeah. Where she talks, see, Lee was going to divorce his wife, and her and Judith were going to get together. That's and, what she says. Uh, Lion skank. That's what she says. Homewrecker. But, but, it, but it adds <laughs> up because they weren't living together Look at, at that the, time. This is the uh, all the different people that died untimely deaths. Yep. This is fucking crazy. It's all heart attack, uh, unknown. What do we, what do we got here? <laughs> Drug overdose. Well, the, the one that's really the bad one is the guy who was in the tower there at the train thing. Suicide, suicide, suicide. That, that they found they found him dead. Minor accident, minor accident, dead. One car crash, dead. Heart attack, heart attack. And these fuckers died quick. This is what's interesting. They di- they all died within a very short amount of time. Gunshot wound to the head. Well, you know what Judith was involved in and Oswald, they were they were at uh, New Orleans attempting to create a fast-moving cancer that Lee was supposed to deliver to Mexico City to try to kill Castro. A fast-moving cancer. Mm-hmm. Like a, and what the, killed Ruby? A fast-moving cancer. Yeah, I guess. And you know who's in charge of it all? That guy that's on all the New York or the New Orleans Saints football. Uh, uh, who's the famous doctor? The Oshner Clinic? That's who Judy worked for, the cancer expert. They can he, give you cancer? No, they, they were attempting to create a fast-moving cancer. And to, you think they give that to Jack Ruby? No, Yeah, because they were attempting to kill uh, Castro with it. Now, do you think that Lee Harvey Oswald was involved? I think Lee Harvey Oswald was an undercover operative of our U.S. intelligence agency, yes. You think he was involved in the assassination attempt? Uh, maybe, I, I, or he was involved or thought he was stopping it. Because Oswald loved Kennedy. The whole thing is just such a crazy Oswald story. Oswald liked Kennedy. He didn't dislike him. It's a crazy story. So why would he kill him? Yeah. And why would he use a weapon when you can get any weapon in Texas? Why would he use one that had a, a paper trail on it? What's interesting to me about this story, too. <laughs> anyway, is, though, enough of Kennedy. But I it's, just want one thing yeah. is that it shows how uncomfortable people are with embracing the possibility of yep. corruption to the extent where they would kill the it, president. It, it shows me why Jesse Ventura at times is not popular. Why do you talk about yourself in the third person like Roy Jones? Uh, because he is a third person. Because he is a third person. Jesse Ventura is not you? No. What, who are you? That's my business. Oh, okay. You're Superman, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, no, 
Uh, what was that? Does your wife call you now? Superman or Jesse? She calls me honey usually. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> After 41 years, at least she's not swearing at me. There you go. Good job. <laughs> You've done something right. <laughs> anyway, you lost my train of thought Sorry. now where Sorry. I was heading to. I forgot where I was going anyway. I don't, I don't remember anyway. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, do you partake in marijuana yourself? Only in Colorado. Only in Colorado. What about California? Only in Colorado. Look at this right here, buddy. I'm, I might in California. This, this, is, uh, this is liquid. It's a spray. You spray it under your tongue. Um, this is liquid, too, but it's not as powerful. This one will put you on Pluto. You've got to be very careful with uh, this one. The, uh, I've made some mistakes. I only, I only uh, uh, partake where it's legal. It's legal here. No, it ain't. Sure only you, medical. I get you a doctor. He'll be here in five minutes. Well, until, you do, until you do that, I don't, I'm not legal. You so. follow all the laws? I think we could yep. do it online. You could do it to. online. So. Yeah, you could do it online now. You could do it online here. Can you? Just, all I have to do is go. <coughs> just oh, little, I know how I could get it. You know how I could do it. You know how I could do it. How? I'm a veteran. Yes. I get, I get dreams and yes. I can't sleep at night. Of course. And well, also you have had hip replacement, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yep. That's that's. Pain. I actually had the new technique though, called hip resurfacing. So what do they do there? Uh, it was new at the time in '08. I learned it from a neighbor in Mexico who's a triathlete. Yeah. And he said all the triathletes that get hip trouble get this. The difference is they still cut you and they still dislocate your hip, mm-hmm. but they don't cut the femur. Uh, okay. They clean up the ball and socket, cover them with carbon titanium steel, and put you back together, just like resurfacing the road, oh. putting a new layer of asphalt. So I my my femur bones completely intact. Oh, that's so much better. Way better. Less oh, evasive. So yeah. Way 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 better. And so I I I actually now I do over a marathon a week on the elliptic machine every that's week. That's incredible. So it doesn't you don't have any pain at all from no. that? Wow. In fact, uh, a week ago I did 41 miles that week. That's amazing. No re- no restricting of your movement, nothing. Well, it t- I I'm 65. When I sit down in a chair, I tighten up, and when I get up, it's like, uh, you Do get you aches and that pulling. your back feels good in these? These are uh, the like, really good contour yeah, well, ergonomic for, chairs. For me, it also was I didn't learn till I got to Mexico with a physical therapist. During my wrestling career, I had actually knocked my pelvis out of alignment. Oh, wow. And he said, that's what's giving you your back trouble. So he gave me a bunch of stretches to do where I got my pelvis back in alignment. And between that, and I'll make a plug here. Do you ever watch on TV those teeter hangers? Yeah. They're phenomenal. I got them in the back. Oh. Love them. They're a godsend. Yeah. I do it every day for 10 to 12 minutes. I hang upside down, and I, and I play golf. I haven't been back to the chiropractor in two years because of that. Yeah, they do. Every excellent. day, every day at the end of my workout, I hang up and down like Dracula or like a bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you actually get so comfortable, you go into kind of a limbo, mm. you know, where you, you're almost it's a conscious thing. You're conscious, but you're not hanging upside down. Yeah, you're blacking out. Well, not blacking <laughs> out. You're just so relaxed. Yeah, no, I that, do it all the that, time. Yeah, oh, I, I, and I tell people this thing is a godsend. If he called me, I'd do ads for him. Well, it is a legitimate way to decompress your spine oh. without machines. It's healthy. You can And people, you know, I talked to a doctor once and said, your muscles are holding you in place. You're not. I'm like, no, they're not. I relax my muscles. I know how to relax my muscles. I'm an yeah. athlete. I know, yeah. I know when my muscles are tense and when they're not. Like, yep. you can absolutely get some relief and decompression oh. of your spine. When I get full upside down, then I mentally go, okay, relax your feet. 
Yeah. Relax your ankles. Mm. And I, do, I go through my whole body till I get all the way to the shoulders and the neck. I'm going to show you a machine and, that and, I have back there. And now the, and then when I hang, I'm totally relaxed. And sometimes you actually feel yourself slip right yeah. back in. And then you go, ah. I have one for my <laughs> neck, too. Do you? Yeah, I have one. Uh, it's like a harness. It straps to a door. And I pull on it, click, 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 click. And I'm like literally hanging by my neck. It's a, a spinal decompression device. Now, that's not one of them sexual things, no, is it? No, I'm not into okay. that, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh, I had a bulging disc in my neck. Okay. And uh, I relieved it that way. Yeah. And it made a huge, huge difference. No, like I said, I, I, you know, I got the aches and pains of a 65-year-old. I'd have, I've had my hip done. I stopped running because my orthopedic surgeon says no one over 40 should. Really? The, the pounding. My friend's 49. He just ran 200 miles. Just the pounding. Ultra marathon. The pounding. Yeah. It ain't that he can't do it, but he's going to pay the price. Yeah. The pounding of his body. Like that. Like this, Dr. Truesdale told me, today, with the technology they got, you can run without pounding. Right, with elliptical machines. Yeah, you I'm a run big fan of elliptical pounding. machines. He said it's the pounding. It's not that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Anyone can do it and train, but he said the wear that that's going to cause on your body after age 40. And I have to agree, he's the preeminent orthopedic surgeon in the Mayo Clinic. Well, you know, there's an also another issue, and it's the creation of the running shoe. Because the running shoe, having that big wedge in the heel, that's not a normal gait. The normal gait is you're supposed to land on the ball of your feet. If you watch little kids run, that's how they run. Yeah. But when they created the running shoe, they allowed people to run and have all their weight come down on their heel, and it acts as sort of like a little spring. But that's not normal. Yeah. So it's, your body has a natural spring built into it. It's the design of the foot. Or, or you can do the natural way the seals do. How do they do it? You run in the sand. That's great, too. Yeah. That is the best way, <laughs> Doesn't right? Pound, and, and even worse, when they take you in the soft sand. The dunes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, sand oh. dune running is fucking amazing. I, I, uh, I, I, there was an old chief there. We used to call him Superman. He was 41 years old when I was in the teams. 41. And the softer the sand, the faster he got. Oh, we used to call him the camel. That was his nickname. That's one he, thing he was about, a chief, but we called him the camel because when we'd hit the soft sand running, normally in our team, he was probably in the top six in running. When we'd hit the soft sand, he was up first or second. Why is that? I don't know. He could just run in the soft sand and it didn't slow him down. Did he have like big wide flipper feet or something? No, shit? he was actually a little wiry built guy. He also, he, he was able, we had this big rope. He could wear a pair of twin 90s tanks for diving and he'd pull himself up to the top of this rope just using his hands 90 pounds no these twin 90s that's what, what they it? call them. how big, much those weigh i don't know but they're heavy wow they're heavy as hell they're the old twin 90 scuba tanks they're big old metal tanks yeah and they weigh and he used to go up that rope using just his hands <laughs> that's a strength they're wiry built not a big muscle guy just wiry built we, call, we called him Superman. That was his nickname in the teams. He led PT every day. You do PT with him, it was like in training unit. Every set of push-ups, 50. <sighs> every time you do push-ups with him, it's 50. Ugh. 50 a pop, and you probably do at least 10 to 12 sets. That's great for tearing your shoulders so apart. 600 push-ups a day, <laughs> then you'll do 1,000 flutter kicks. What's a flutter kick? Lay on your back oh, and okay. flutter kick. That sounds like a good time. Ooh. That, along with running up sand dunes, that's a party. 
Oof. Running sand dunes. And then really tra- the other thing in training they don't account for. What? You have to run to run. Every time you're moving in Bud's training, you have to be running. You have to run to run. So you yeah, run. Yeah, like when you'd run out on the beach, but you right. have to run to get there, and then you have to run to get back. Oh. Those don't count. When you do a four-mile beach run, it only counts on the beach. It doesn't count the run to get there and the run to get back, the run to the chow hall, the run to everywhere. You, when you're in Bud's training from the time you start in the morning till they secure you, you have to be running anytime you're moving. Oh, Jesus. The, but you do it as the airborne shuffle. That's kind of that shuffle run uh-huh. where you, you know, you're, you're running, but you're not really running. Kind of jogging. Yeah. You're just hustling. Yeah. They call it the airborne shuffle because that's what you do at jump school. What led you to want to write this book, this marijuana, um, marijuana book? This experience I had with the seizures, it, that's what motivated me because I knew there's other people out there suffering. Our government should not be standing in the way and stopping people from using a plant that could help them. And it's time to end this ridiculous prohibition. My mother, who lived through the prohibition of alcohol, told me before she died, she said the war on drugs is identical to the prohibition of alcohol. All you're doing is making criminals rich and powerful. And it's also, there's an industry in keeping people in jail. And there's an industry in yeah. catching people and locking them up. Exactly. And, and, when and losing you find your out, rights. Losing your rights, imprisoning yep. people. And when you find out that there's prison guard unions that are lobbying to keep marijuana illegal so they have more work. Yep. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. And they don't think of it as horrible. And, That's have got to change perception. And you've got the DEA who's out there making money off keeping it illegal. Yeah. And... You know what you do? They're doing it to fight for their jobs, but I've already got another position for them. What? Let's end the war on drugs. Let's take the DEA and let's make the DEA put as much effort into sexual crimes. Like what kind of sexual crimes? Molesting children. Uh, We just went through one in Minnesota, Jacob Wetterling, where they finally caught his murderer. But he's not going to go to prison for murdering because he plea bargained. What happened? You know the famous Jacob Wetterling case? I don't, I'm they, not oh, aware of that It case. happened way back 20-some years ago where he was, him and his friends were going to the video store and a guy took him at gunpoint and he disappeared. The Minnesota Vikings wore his thing on their uniform and it was a whole national thing. When Jacob Wetterling was abducted, well, they just discovered his dead body a month ago because oh. they caught the guy who did it, but he wouldn't confess unless he got immunity. So they had oh. to give him immunity, and then he led them to the body so they could get what? closure over 20-some years ago. So he got immunity to that, but is he getting prosecuted for something else? He's getting prosecuted for child porn. That's it? Yep. Now, I say you take the DEA and you put them out catching child molesters and sexual predators well, we were uh, that would be a good job for them to do it would be a good job for them to do but i, don't I would think there's rather nearly as ta- many people that are molesting children as are smoking pot well it's an the easy, problem might be wait the problem might pot. be they might have to investigate the catholic church and that'd be off limits wouldn't it well how about that Dennis? you want a good one here's a good one i love good ones my club the mongols we got busted for the federal rico laws right how come they don't apply the federal RICO laws to the Catholic Church? It's a good call. Yeah. How come they don't? Child molestation's a felony. 
They covered it up. They lied about it. They continue to do it. How come the church hasn't been investigated under the federal RICO laws and charged? Because they're, they're the church. That's why. And you're not allowed to. Well, that's also why they hide them up in the Vatican, because the Vatican's its own country. I don't know. I don't, I'm not into all that. I'm just saying that how come the RICO laws don't apply to the child molestation that's gone on? Well, it's a very good point. It's a very good point. When, the, when Pope Benedict resigned, that was uh, one of the things that they were going after. They wanted to prosecute him for crimes against humanity because this guy was shielding child molesters. He shielded a child molester that went on to rape 100 deaf kids. I mean, what in the fuck? And this guy targeted deaf children because they couldn't talk about it. And now they, they stick them in the Vatican. And once you're in the Vatican, the Vatican is protected. It's literally got its own situation where it's like a country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I still don't think there's as many people doing that as there are selling and buying drugs. So Maybe the DEA, not. We would Maybe have to not. But what has the, some other what gigs? has the worse effect? 100%. I agree with you. Because I know people that were molested and never recovered from it. Their right. entire lives have been altered. Yeah. And it goes for generations because generally you find the molester was molested. Yeah, always. Yeah, you know, usually really that usually that's the situation. So I would rather take our focus away from people doing consensual crime against themselves, because addiction shouldn't be treated uh, criminally; it should be treated medically. Sure. I mean, you can be addicted. I always like to use this for an example. Imagine tomorrow if they took away coffee and caffeine. Oh, yeah. We'd have riots well, on the streets. There you go. And those are all addicts. People addicted to it. Who do you t- what are you trying to say, man? No, they're addicted to it. They're addicted to it. <laughs> well, they need to understand that then how dare them say you should take away a drug from someone else. Of course. Well, I, I they, also, have, they have their fix. Yeah. How come theirs is legal? I also don't think that we have to find jobs for people that are doing something that should be against the law it should be against the law to arrest people for marijuana you don't have to find jobs for people that are doing something that should be against the law arresting people for marijuana is a fucking crime and i've said this time and time again but if you lock someone in a cage because they smoke a plant that makes them happy you're a fucking criminal yeah you're a criminal you're you're doing a crime against human beings and freedom yep and that's what you're participating in. Yep, so the, the, what agree. the DEA is doing is a crime. I don't think we have to find jobs for criminals. I think the only thing that's saving them from being labeled as a criminal is some shit that's written down on paper by a bunch of people that are profiting from keeping it in that same way. Yep. It's a crime. It's all a crime. Yep. And there's nothing, zero, zilch, when it comes to the, when you're talking about the like side effects or the negative effects of cannabis, there's nothing. Yeah. There's zero. There's no evidence. I agree. And if there was, they would parade it out there. Oh. And even if they did parade it out there, what we're finding time and time again, the most recent story that was in the New York Times about the sugar industry paying off scientists to say that sugar is okay for you, but it's saturated fat. Saturated fat, which is so important that it's one of the main substrates for creating sex hormones. It's one of the most important parts of human diet. That saturated fat is bad, and that's what's giving people heart attacks. Meanwhile, people are getting fat as fuck from sugar. Well, I, I love to talk about this, uh, which came to light to me 10 years ago. Uh, I grew up in the 50s when they put fluoride in our water. Yeah. What- and wait, and they put it in there for our teeth. 
Well, isn't that your parents' job to teach you how to brush your teeth and gargle with fluoridated mouthwash? Is there any benefit why, of fluoride? Wait, why would you put a chemical in the water? Yeah, there's a benefit. I'll explain it. Who, who do you think was the first people to put fluoride in water? The Nazis. Yep. Now, why did they do that? Now, first of all, I'd question anything the Nazis did right away. I'd say, well, gee, they don't have really people in mind, do they? They were really good at making engines. <laughs> well, that they were. But uh, they, no, they did it because fluoride is the major ingredient of Prozac. So you think that well, if you drink in the water, you're getting makes a daily dose. Your daily dose of Prozac. Does why, 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 why would the Nazis do it? What would be an, the only reason to I don't know make why they the people it. docile? But did they do it in a large-scale fashion, or did they do it as an experiment? Because they did a lot of fucked-up experiments. Well, no, they put it in their water. Germany was the first country that put fluoride in the water under the Nazi rule. And did they and have a reason? And then we picked it up well, for their teeth, I guess. That was why they did it? I don't know. But uh, that's what we sold our people. I remember, and, and here, did you see the movie Fargo? Yes. Remember the town Brainerd? Yes. Well, Brainerd, Minnesota, about 30 years ago, I remember it. They voted. They did not want fluoride in their water. They weren't going to put it in. Federal government came in and made them. Now, why do you think they did that? Is the fluoride industry paying them off? I don't know. Because they want to get but rid why, of fluoride? Why would the federal government come into a city who their own water supply and force them to put fluoride in the water? Well, do you think they did it because the fluoride industry paid them off? I don't know. Because they didn't want to lose profits? I don't know. It doesn't know. make sense, really. Or, or did they not want an example that you can have water without fluoride? It's possible, but if they really wanted to protect people from or tooth decay, like wouldn't Vince, they go after sugar? Or, or is it like Vince McMahon? He fired me because I wouldn't relinquish my copyrighted name so he could exploit it. I owned it, and I refused to give it up. The copyrighted name, Jesse the Jesse Body, the Body Ventura. Ventura. I had it before I worked for them, and I copyrighted it federally so that I would own it. And I wouldn't release it to him, and that's what ended up getting me fired in the end, where I had to leave the WWF because uh, he, he had to control all of the marketing. That's old school, us. before WWE. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why fluoride is in the water. I've looked at it very peripherally. No reason for it, really. They tell you it's for your teeth, but... Shouldn't you do that yourself? Well, not my thinking is if they really were concerned about people's teeth and people's health, wouldn't they look at all the different fucking kinds of sugar that we're consuming? All the corn syrup in people's diet, all the sugar in well, foods. Well, that should tell you the fluoride's there for another reason then. So you think there's a large-scale, <laughs> organized conspiracy to keep people docile by putting fluoride in the water? I don't know if it's a large-scale conspiracy or if it was just done and it's too difficult to unchange it. Mm. See, once government gets established doing something and it's done for decades, it's very hard to get them to change their position. And is it, in some ways, a lot like the DEA in that once fluoride is a business, there's a business in selling fluoride, putting fluoride in the water, there's people that have jobs that are doing that, they lobby to keep that in place, and what evidence is there that fluoride's beneficial? Is there any evidence? I don't know. You don't know, but well, if you know about this, why don't you look into that? Because I don't drink fluoridated water, so it doesn't affect Mexico me. Mexico doesn't have fluoridated? Do you drink out of a well? Yeah. 
and and in all my homes, see, I only learned of this a decade ago, but f- ironically, all the homes I've lived in have been kind of rural, and I've had my own well. All your life? Pretty much, other than when I grew up as a kid. Maybe that's why you're so rebellious. Yeah. You didn't get your dose of fluoride. Exactly. Hmm. That's why I ask questions of stuff. I haven't been... I haven't been uh, Prozac-aided. Mm. I, I'm not on the Prozac. Well, it didn't work with me because I've, I've drank a lot of fucking fluoridated water. I'm, I well, maybe everything. your constitution's different than mine. Mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm just better. They say it, it calcifies your pineal gland, but the people that say that, they all smell. They all smell you like know, like natural deodorant and feet. Those well, motherfuckers. Li- like hippies. I said, it uh, you know, uh, Brainerd tried to do it, and the federal government came in and just slapped them down. It didn't matter the people voted; didn't matter nothing. Federal government came in and said, "You will have fluoride in your water." What year was this? I think it was back in about the eighties. I wonder if that would fly today because people today are so concerned with genetically modified foods and hormones. Oh, I think and it would. I think and... they'd still do it today because you still got it. Mm. Nobody's ever said nothing like, "Why don't we remove fluoride from the water?" Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, nobody. I nobody brings it up. Yeah, I don't even know if fluoride is beneficial in toothpaste. I, there's a lot of people that don't believe fluoride should be in toothpaste. They think that with the cleaning of your teeth is really what gets the, the, the plaque Who knows? Off. Yeah, who knows? But Someone must yeah, know. It's the major, ingredient. It's the major ingredient of Prozac. I'm going to go looking into that now. <laughs> God damn it, another rabbit hole. i got to read whitewash. i got to go down a Prozac rabbit hole. Prozac fluoride rabbit hole. Well, fluoride. Just flu- but there, when you think about it, why would they put it for your teeth? Your parents do that. They teach you how to brush your teeth and use mouthwash. Why would you put a chemical in the water? That's a good point. Why would a chemical be introduced into clean drinking water? Well, not only that, there's a lot of people that don't even drink water from the faucet anymore. You know, a lot of people use the faucet water for bathing and cooking, and they drink bottled water. Yeah. Well, that's another scam they pulled on us. The bottled water scam? Yeah, completely. I did it in conspiracy theory. We went up to Michigan where Nestle is. Yeah, they they take water. Well, the law says you cannot take water from the Great Lakes. Right. And the Great Lakes region is 20% of the fresh water of the world. So Nestle goes up there and builds a million square foot plant. The thing's huge. It's bigger than our dome stadium for the Vikings. They got this huge plant up there, and all they do is they punch in at a tributary. So they're technically not taking it from the Great Lakes. They're taking it before it gets there. The Great Lakes have now fallen. They're six inches lower than they used to be. And I was taken to a stream that used to have whitewater rafting. It now does. It's dead water. Just because of Nestle. Yeah, they're sucking it all out of the ground before it can get to the Great Lakes, and they're putting it in plastic bottles and selling it to you more expensive than gas. Oh, it is because bottled water than gas. costs more than gas. Isn't that fucking? And bananas? imagine if you've got a company and you sell a product that's free, and you and you don't have to do nothing to it but put it into a bottle and sell it for more than gas because they persuaded us it was the only way to consume water like when i was a kid you'd go to the schoolyard and play football all day on the way home you'd run up to somebody's hose you'd turn it on and everybody would drink out of the hose we didn't die nobody got sick we survived yet all of a sudden here came bottle water had to be bottled and it was a whole thing they did on people the only 
pure, clear water you're going to get comes from a bottle. Well, it ain't. They're pumping it out of the ground the same way as they pump anything else out of the ground. They're just putting it into a bottle and selling it to you for more than gasoline. Your friend is interrupting here. What would you like? I got to go. This is the reason why I don't let people in the studio, Jesse. Just yeah, kidding. but I, I got I know you schedule. do. You have a heart out at 115. Yeah. Um, your book, it's available now? Yeah, Marijuana everywhere. Yeah, it came out, I think, on the 6th. And you're going to be at Barnes & Noble in Santa Monica today? Tonight, Tonight uh, at 730. At 7.30, and people can come meet you yep. and, and explain to you why fluoride is in the water. They're going to go crazy. Yeah, they can do all that stuff, and we, we can talk and visit, and uh, I'll weave a few stories in. And uh, like every, every, The only thing I worry about, every book signing I do... I get pleads from people on why I'm not running. Well, I'm pleading. <laughs> I'm pleading. Look, somebody needs to run that's not corrupted by the system. And well, I don't think you're corrupted by the system. Then there's only me. Yeah. Well, I think there's probably a few other people that are thinking <laughs> because, right now, but they don't want as, this as exposure. As I said, I only raised 300000 bucks to become the governor of Minnesota. Right. But that's Minnesota. I mean, I think my dog might be able to win governor. Not really, because the Dems and Repubs spent $12 million that year. <laughs> Well, yeah. They spent $12 million. But you're Jesse Ventura. I spent 300000 Yeah, but I had to go through the media of, of them uh, degrading me. How could a wrestler be a governor? Right. Of how, course. How could, how could somebody from the private sector who's never come up through the corrupt system be expected to govern? But also, don't you think it helps that you have an awesome Minnesota accent? That's I don't know if beneficial. I do or not. You definitely do. Oh, I don't you know do. that. If you're my friend from, Randall Carlson If, if is you're also, from Minnesota, you don't know it. My friend Randall Carlson. It's like Carlson. being from Alabama. You don't have, a, you don't have an accent if oh, you're from Alabama. Oh, they fucking know. They have to know. <laughs> my friend Randall Carlson sounds exactly like you, and he's from Minnesota. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so you have a very clear Minnesota accent. We, yeah, we have it, and uh, you know, I'm born and raised there, but I don't know how to skate. You don't have a skate? I don't either. Good for you. I'm down. Well, I, I, I did it because I, I, in the winter I swam. I we have a, a lot in common, you and me. I was we a both swimmer. like fanny packs. We both don't know how to skate. We both like pot. I was a swimmer. I could swim. Yeah, no, I did it. I mean, all winter and all summer. I was competitive. Now, my claim to fame, I actually swam in the same pool once with Mark Spitz. That's big. Was for me. Because as a swimmer, he was God of our era, and along came Phelps, who I never thought could win another more medals than Mark did. Another but he did. guy who likes pot. Yeah, remember that he got shamed. They yeah. pot shamed. Him. Do you know what I would have did if I'd have been him and they did that to me? What would you have done? I would have immediately moved to Australia, applied for Australian citizenship, and I would have came back and beat the United States if they'd have prosecuted me for the pot. Yeah, but they weren't prosecuting him. But they, were just they being thought mean. about it. Did they really? Yes. Who thought about prosecuting him? Yeah, oh, it went Who on. Was it? Oh, that's po- right. Wasn't it in like South Carolina or something? I don't know. But, but, uh, but all I know is if I'd have been Phelps, I would have moved to Australia. I'd applied for Australian citizenship, and I would have come back and swam against the United States and say, stick that up your ass. Well, that's very rude of you. No, it You're ain't. You're a renegade. No, it ain't. It's very rude <laughs> of them. After winning those medals, don't you think he earned it? joint i do i do and you do as well yeah 100 they wouldn't have said nothing if he'd have guzzled a bottle of beer i want to find out who the fuck narked on him we should make that public whoever that shithead is it took the picture of phelps exactly asshole exactly Eight arrested in michael phelps case what yeah people were arrested that had pot that gave him pot oh jesus christ 
Did you see that thing about the woman in, in uh, western Massachusetts or near Amherst? She's an old lady, and she grew her own medical marijuana. Her son was in the house, and a SWAT team showed up, guns blazing for one plant. One plant in this woman's backyard. That's how fucking ridiculous these laws I'll, are. I'll tell you how ridiculous they are. When I was governor, and we'll finish with this, when I was governor, we had a three-panel, myself, Kathleen Blatz, who was head of the Minnesota Supreme Court, and the Attorney General. The three of us were the pardon board, where we could sponge records, right? And I was glad they thought like me, because everybody that came to us that had a marijuana conviction of 10, 20 years ago, we cleaned it off. And one of them I'll always remember. Wait till you hear this story. This guy... When he sat down in front of us, the first thing I did, I looked at him, I said, how are you and your sister getting along? And he smiled at me and says, we're okay. I said, okay, I just wanted to check. You know what happened to this guy? He was 18 years old at home. His little sister was going to dare at the time, you know, that dare class. Mm -hmm. Well, they teach you at dare to turn everyone in, to rat everybody, turn them in. So... This guy's got a bag of weed in his bedroom. His little sister sees it, calls the police. The police come. She's there to let him in so they don't need a warrant. And they go bust her brother. She ends up, her brother, and her brother now has had this on his record for 20 freaking years. A marijuana bust that his sister turned him over on because she was at dare and dare said you rat everybody so the sister thinks she's doing the right thing puts her brother in jail for having a bag of weed in his bedroom so sad and and that's why i asked him how are you and your sister getting along you said we're fine and i said and we cleaned his record we wiped it right off of there now who i wouldn't do that for child molesters who came in uh-uh. I had a girl there who came to testify against this guy so we wouldn't do it. I called her up to me and I said, young lady, you don't have to come back here anymore because as long as I'm the governor of Minnesota, this guy will never, ever get his record cleaned. You don't have to worry about that. Go home with a clear conscience. You don't have to come back here. It's not going to happen. Because all of them child molesters reoffend. That's why they want their record cleaned off, so that they can get in a position of being a predator again and reoffend again. And and they bring in they bring in people from the clergy to testify for them. And all they've joined the church now. They that they do all of this stuff. They ain't pulling that smoke on me. Uh, to me, a child molester. It's a they can never be cured. Jesse Ventura for president, 2020. Make it happen, folks. <laughs> 2016 is a wash. We're fucked either way. Hang in there for four years. Four years. Jesse's going to clean I'll tell you up. what. I'll tell you what. If it ends up that bad, I promise you I will run into 2020. Jesse Ventura for president. Meet him tonight, Santa Monica, <laughs> Barnes & Noble, 730. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I had a great time. Fun times, huh? He was good, right? Yeah. I didn't know what to expect before meeting him, but he was a warm, friendly guy. I really enjoyed talking to him, and uh, I feel bad about his legal predicament and all that craziness. I hope he runs for president. No bullshit. This podcast was fueled by Caveman Coffee. Go to cavemancoffeeco.com. Use the code word Rogan. Save 10%. 
We're also brought to you by Squarespace, your solution if you need a website. Yeah, you can make yourself, folks, whether it's a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, a landing page, or an online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com forward slash Joe and get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you, thank you, thank you to stamps.com, the best way for you to send shit through the mail. Stop all the nonsense about going to the post office. You don't have to do it anymore. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in JRE, and you will get this $110 bonus offer, which includes postage and a digital scale. It is a four-week trial, and it is uh, if you send things through the mail on a daily basis, it is a godsend. Go to stamps.com before you do anything. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage. Type in JRE. Thank you each and every episode to onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T, use the code word Rogan, and save 10% off any and all supplements. And uh, I think that's everything, right? Is that everything? It is. That's it. Our time here has come to an end for today. But there'll be another podcast. I did two today. Another podcast coming right up with Brian Redband. So, tune in for that. It was a fun one. It was one of our best ones. We got pretty silly. And um, then tomorrow, Russell Peters will be here. That should be good times, too. All right, fuckers. See you.